You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. It's always Rasmussen Podcast, part of the Packernet Podcast Network. Jake Javink here with you guys on this Friday, just six days from the 2023 NFL Draft. And you know, on this pod, you know, I, I thought, okay, last Friday episode before the draft, what could we do that'd be a lot of fun? You know, maybe a special episode of sorts. And you know what I thought? I'm, I'm you know, having a live show this week with some of the Packernet guys, and I thought, you know what? How about we take that live show and put it in a podcast form? So that's kind of what you're getting today. Uh, we'll kind of trim it down in some spots, you know, and kind of just make it seem smoother in terms of a podcast as a whole. But you guys are going to get a giant episode here uh, with really just Packers thoughts on the draft. We talked about quite a few prospects in here and got a lot of different opinions. And the best part is, is if you guys had questions about the draft, there were so many guys who asked questions uh, in this live show. So there'll be a lot of Questions we'll be talking about, and we'll give some answers to them. And hopefully you guys uh, enjoy this episode. Um, So, yeah, without further ado, let's roll. What's going on, everybody? We are live here on the channel. Jake Shavank, obviously, with you guys. One week from the draft. Right about now, I think we'll be about the, I think, maybe 12, 13 pick range uh, in the first round of the draft. I'm joined uh, by one of the illustrious members of the Packernet Podcast Network, um clayton uh why don't you introduce yourself let let the people know uh plug the stuff quick and uh yeah we'll we'll get rolling on this uh super fun live show jake you're gonna lose credibility right off the bat because when you say illustrious and they hear my accent they're like oh no way dude not this guy <laughs> now my name is clayton uh from packers total access part of the uh Packernet podcast network you can find me on twitter at packers underscore access man i'm just excited to get on here and learn anytime jake's talking draft I'm I'm all ears. I try to sneak in like I'm gonna bring something to the show, but I'm just taking notes, man. So. <laughs> okay, all right, fair, fair enough. I mean, it's it's a great time to get those last bit of notes in there. I'd say, you know, a week before a week before the draft, uh, a lot of you know maybe some finishing touches on the film there, sprinkle it around and, and get to a few more players. But we're gonna dive into all things Packers in this show. Uh, we're gonna talk. I think a lot of different things. I think there's gonna be kind of something for everybody, depending on what you know questions you have if you have any of those drop them in the chat like let's have some fun let's let's get a little q a going you know we don't have to sit up here and talk the whole time uh you guys can get involved as well uh also throw a like down there help the stream out a little bit uh, on youtube side of things um if you're on twitter i recommend going to youtube uh Streamyard for some reason doesn't pull up the twitter comments i have no no idea why they still don't do that but hop over to youtube uh if you can so Clayton, I think this is where we should start. Obviously, we're a week from the first round. So a lot of the talk is going to be like, what's Green Bay going to do at pick 15? Right. And I think great place to start. We'll kind of talk about maybe our dream picks at 15. We'll maybe throw in the predictive side of things like what what are the Packers actually going to do? What do we think they'll do at 15? And then maybe, 
you know, maybe did, I, I didn't, I didn't put this on, on the show list, but you know, I, I've seen it go around a little bit where it's like, uh, what's your like, no thanks pick at 15. Maybe yeah. we'll, uh, top on that, uh, talk about that as well. So Clayton, you want to, want to start us off with, with a guy you think, you know, is, is maybe your dream pick at 15 for the Packers. I'm going to get controversial right out of the gate, Jake. Um, love it. You know, you keep hearing about Jalen Carter possibly falling, right? 15 yes. is a long way down, a long way down. And it sounds like, you know, Philly at 10 is is kind of the floor there. But to me, and I, I could be wrong, but Jalen Carter seems like the best prospect in this draft. And, and I know we've heard a lot about, you know, he kind of came into his pro day overweight, didn't really finish the pro day. Obviously, you have the off-the-field stuff, just strictly tape. Man, he was a monster. Last year, he was a monster. It was just amazing watching, you know, Devontae Wyatt get drafted and obviously Quay Walker, all these great players, you know. And, and you, if you really go back and watch it, and Greg Cosell said it best, Jalen Carter was just – he was the best defender on that entire team and uh, obviously uh, not coming out until this year in the draft. And it, and it sucks with what happened off the field. But that would be my dream pick if somehow Jalen Carter fell because, in my personal opinion, I think that Kenny Clark – you know, everybody loves him. It's hard not to like Kenny Clark. He's a fan favorite. He just does everything right. And you hear his, you know, personal background, his story growing up. Um, you want it to pan out. But, man, when you watch that run defense sometimes and, and you see him kind of get washed out, and it's like I, I want to see the Kenny that we had that one or two years when Mike Pettin was here, you know. But if you were to get a Jalen Carter and throw him into that lineup somehow, some way, and, and you know, who knows? Maybe he falls to eight Would the Packers trade up. I don't know, you know. Um, let me just get your personal take on that before we move on. How do you feel about Jalen Carter, man? I mean, like you said, I film-wise, he's the best player in the draft, and I don't think it's it's close. I think a lot of people, maybe when they they turned on the film with him, if they were disappointed, maybe they were expecting to see, you know, the size of Jordan Davis or, like, the quickness <laughs> right. and, like, the, the overall functional athleticism that Devontae Wyatt has, and it's like, yeah, he's not quite the athlete Devontae Wyatt is, right? And that – and we, I, I think it's understated how rare Devontae White is as an athlete, yeah. right? And, uh, but Carter just overwhelms you with power, and it, it, it's relentless. It, it, does, it never gives up. Like I can't, it, it, it's hard to put into words because it, he makes you know pushing back guards and centers, and and sometimes even tackles when he's out in the five tech, like make it look easy where you don't see guys do this on a, on a snap out of snap basis. Like he just does it at, at a level that you just do not see. Yeah. And yeah, I think when you look at how like quick his hands are to get position, right? Like he is arm over that, the ability to do that, like engage club, get that arm over guys. And like, he's got, you know, centers, guards, whoever it is dropping on the ground, like lunging too far to, get, to, to, to engage him. And then he's got, I think pretty good flexibility and change of direction too. And like, I, there's, yeah. I think plays against Kentucky, you can look at from even both of them, the last two seasons where he is just, he is bullying guys. And yeah. Uh, in 2021, especially where a lot of those guys went on, you know, to be draft picks, uh, you know, day two and day three. So, yeah, he wrecked a lot of guys up front. I am. It's going to be in, I don't know where he's going to go. I feel like th th we've gone from 2021 where we knew so much. We felt like, OK, top 10, top 12 is like all of these players. It's just what order. 2022 was kind of like, OK, first 10 will probably be pretty set in stone and then who knows now it's like i have no idea so to, to figure out where carter's gonna go i don't know like it could be seattle it could be detroit it could be philly if right. not it, it's gonna start to get interesting and and i think that would be a really fun dream pick no doubt about it michael we've got something i think this is a good question too because i think this is where we can talk about the predictive side of things as well like 
Michael says, people seem to be saying most definitely we're going to go high on an edge. I didn't see it. Plus, we got a good third guy, and that's Enigbari, of course. So our assumptions on edge are going to be wrong again. Or is Preston Smith done after this year? Well, I think there's a lot to unpack with that one. There's no doubt about it. Like, first, the Rashawn Gary injury is an, is one thing where, you know, he's coming off a big injury. Can he get back to the level we saw in pre-injury where he really worked his tail off to get to the point where he was at? I, Preston Smith, yeah, I mean, he's a little bit longer than the tooth, kind of like Zedarius was. Like, they they signed both of those guys to kind of go all in, uh, you know, and, and kind of put themselves in a position where they were spending a lot on defense. And, yeah, I mean, Enigbari, I think, is is kind of a third guy at this point. I think it's I think it's maybe a little unfair to put more than that on a guy who was a fifth-round pick. Um, not to say he can't get there and be a number two, but I, I do think in a deep class, I think they could be really proactive here. I don't know, Clayton, if you want to, throw some thoughts out there as well on that too. Yeah. I mean, when you look at Preston Smith, let's look at his contract real quick. Um, You know, obviously yeah. we're in 2023. He's got three more years after this year left on his contract plus the voidable year. So technically four, although he won't be on the roster, you know, the, uh, the cap penalty that's attached uh, this year, the dead cap would be 18 million and the cap hits only 6.3. Now starting next year, the cap hit is 16.5 and the dead caps three uh, or 13, nine. And the reason I mention that you're only saving three million by cutting him loose next year. Now we know that can be changed if there's a trade involved, but who's trading for a 32 year old edge rusher, you know, sure. uh, especially one that's, I think we would all agree underperformed last year. Now, when you get into 2025, that's a little bit different ball game. You know, one of the things I've always flirted with when it came to Preston Smith is could he beef up a little bit more and play defensive line? I don't know. I mean, I think he's got the frame, but it's just it's so obvious with how many times we've seen that big body roaming in coverage. They want him an outside linebacker. It's amazing how many times he's gotten, you know, pushed out in the coverage. But um, yeah, I think when it comes to the edge position in the draft, though, and the possibility of the Packers taking somebody, it's just such an important position, man. It really is. And is Rashawn Gary going to be ready for week one, you know? And, and let's say you do draft an edge defender there at number 15. And then Rashawn Gary somehow, some way is ready for week one. Then you let him and you let the rookie and, and Preston Smith battle it out in camp, and the best man wins, right? There's you can never have too many edge edge defenders, too many pass rushers. That's for sure. Hundred percent. Yeah, I I think that's a great point. Yeah, I I, I would not be mad going four deep. Uh, you know who goes four deep? Philadelphia. Yes. And <laughs> yes, look where do. look where they're look where they're at right now. I, I you know they've made what two Super Bowls in the last six years? I want to say six or five years. And yep. They they put they put a lot into the trenches uh, every year. They're not afraid to keep going that direction, and I think it, it yields good results for them. Yeah, I, I think Preston Smith is is really probably the key. It's just how they view him, right? Are they viewing him as like you said? Are they is he going to be here a couple more seasons? Then, you know, maybe they're not on board with the edge at fifteen. You know, the Gary extension of it all as well. That's that's got to go into it too. You know. It, we, we don't want to even go down this possibility road, right? We're not, we're, we're, we're t- maybe too early for it, but like, is Gary going to be back, you know, extension wise? I think That's he will, true. but I'm just saying, I mean, I don't know. We, we, we got to see what this front office uh, does. So I, yeah, I don't know what they're thinking, but I think if they really like a guy like Van Ness or Murphy or, you know, by some stretch of wild imagination, Tyree Wilson falls to 15 or they move up for what, like, am I going to be upset about it? I don't think so. Like, I think, you know, <laughs> I think it's pretty a pretty solid uh, a selection, no doubt about it. Nolan Smith of it all is another one, yep. but maybe we'll be talking about him uh, in a little bit as well. But yeah, I want to get back to dream picks. 
you said that you wanted Carter to fall there. I think that's a really good one. Uh, for me at 15, I mean, it's Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, nice. It has to be. I don't, I don't know if there's anybody I really want more at 15 at this point. Like, I think Skaronsky would be awesome because he's going to give you an immediate guard player and potential tackle. Like, that would be excellent. Uh, but for me, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think, gives you the ability to kind of move guys all over at receiver. I think when you look at how Watson blocks, how Dobbs blocks, right? And I think Smith and Jigba, even though he's got shorter arms, I think he can block as well. But also, all three of them, I think, can win outside. I know Smith and Jigba hasn't played a lot out there. I get it. I know people want to peg him into the slot. That's fine. I think, you know, when we're playing against so much zone nowadays, yep. right, you need to be able to find players who who know their spots and can find their spots. I, yep. Smith and Jigba is going to find the spot, I promise. Uh, and <laughs> and I think he's got pretty quick feet. And, and you saw it in the agility drills and the testing, like how quick he can be. And I think that is there on the field. So I, I think I can trust him a little bit at Z as well. And I think you can then – you get Watson in the slot. Oh my gosh. Like have him threaten the seam, you know, to carve out the middle of the defense. Right. You, we feel good about Dobbs going to year two. Like that trio for Jordan love sounds pretty good. And then, you know, obviously we're going to talk about tight end later, but it's pretty deep class, right? You can get, you know, a couple guys later and, and you, you know, you feel like receivers all set, right. You want to bring in a UDFA right to the room. Totally fine. But I think if you, if you get Watson, Dobbs and Smith and Jigba, you, you should feel really good about the receiver. Yeah, and, and what you mentioned about Smith and Jigba, you know, uh, obviously, like you said, everybody's kind of dubbing the slot receiver. I know Greg Cosell said the same thing, mainly because of his lateral explosion. Um, but, you know, when you talk about him potentially playing the Z, how many times have we seen Randall Cobb do that? You know, they would put Randall Cobb in the Z, and they would do that Z motion sometimes and shift him into the slot, and sometimes they'd leave him out depending on, uh, you know, what Aaron wanted to do with the RPO. But, yeah, it's uh, – I, I wouldn't – I would not have a problem one bit with Jackson Smith and Jigba, that would be awesome. Yeah, I just just the way he can – I know he's not explosive, but, like, everything else is there. Like, mm-hmm. after the catch, you know, he, you've, you can see him make some impressive plays, like, you know, setting himself up well uh, for a path to make a defender miss, right? You know, kind of using momentum to his advantage, you know, using that awareness of the field to his advantage to win after the catch. It's it's all there. I, that's, that's definitely a player that, you know, I, I've kind of been I, – I, the last few years, I'm not – I'm not necessarily in the camp of like, oh, they needed the receiver too, or they would, you know, they would have won the Super Bowl if they just drafted T. Higgins. I'm not necessarily <laughs> right. on that train, but like, I'm of the opinion at this point where it's like, if you have three good receivers, like you're going to stress the heck out of defenses because, again, I think we we've seen Green Bay run the football well, right? We know they can, like against yeah. Buffalo, just second half, pour it on, pour it on, pour it on. Did it against the Eagles, did it against Dallas, like against teams who were still in it late, you know, late in January. They can run the ball like that. If you've got three guys who can block at receiver. Boy, you got a whole mess of issues. The defense is, you know, they, they got to think about. So that's Absolutely. that's why I think Smith and Jigba would be my guy, and that's why I was looking, you know, thinking about Alave and Wilson and all these guys last year and and Bateman the year before. Like I, I want to see that that first round receiver. I think in this class where it's like, ah, if you take if you don't take Smith and Jigba, then it's like ah, I'd be waiting, you know, significantly longer mm-hmm. uh, than maybe others would at the position, just because I don't know this class like. I don't want to hype up guys and that's good. And we can hype up guys for potential, but like, I think there's just a lot of mid round picks right now that, you know, you know, grow into three or two and at at the next level, that's fine. But if you want a guy who's coming right in and, and make that instant impact, it's going to be, it's going to be Smith and Jigba. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mingo's the one that, that really pops to me a little bit later. And I know we talked about him off and on all year long. Um, there's just something about him, you know, I, and everybody's so quick to say he can be our Debo, right? Um, you know, yep. 
he's he's something else he is but yeah he is and, and we definitely can talk about him too as we get further down the line as well but yeah mingo's very exciting talent i i would caution those who look at the measurables and be like he is aj brown it's like all right, wait a minute <laughs> calm down hold on hold on a minute okay if he was aj brown he'd be we'd be talking about him you know at 15 yep absolutely. like there's no doubt about it like so we get a little little out over our skis uh on that but um clayton you have a a prediction you know maybe you can, you can throw out a couple guys if you want to because obviously mm-hmm. right like we just have no clue how things are going to play out we have no clue who's going to be available at 15 right like we there's we could talk about most of the a lot of the edge rushers maybe minus two of them right we think anderson and wilson are going to come off before that but like no one else off the table so you know i have no clue the tackles people keep thinking paris johnson's falling than falling further than than we think he's going to mm-hmm. so yeah if you got two or three guys even if you want to bring them up for for kind of predictions at 15, yeah I mean, let's roll when we talk predictions you know the first thing i think is if i had to bet the farm right if i had to bet the farm who would the prediction be? And I think you've really got to take into consideration some of the prospect visits. And when I went yeah. through the prospect visits, you kind of seen where they fell on my draft board. Um, three names that came to mind for me, and one of which a lot of people, and rightfully so, will say, no, you never take a tight end that early. Uh, but Michael Mayer, obviously a visit. On my board, let me pull it up here real quick. I don't want to tell you wrong. I actually have him at number 22 okay. on my board. And then another visit was edge defender Will McDonald, right? And Will okay. McDonald, I've actually got on my board. He is sitting at, I don't know why it's so hard to find all of a sudden, but let me see here. This is good, good podcasting right here, man. Dead silent. <laughs> um, Very good. I know I had it wrote down here. He's wow. Fun player. I really like him. He's fun. Yeah. Player. No, Will, yeah. Will McDonald. There he is. Okay. Number 36, right in front of my face. Okay. So he's at number 36. I apologize. And then you've got Quentin Johnston was another visit and he's at number 20. So if you did them in order, right, Quentin Johnston would be the first prediction. Okay. Michael Mayer uh, would be the second. And then Will McDonald, the third. And the reason being is because I just don't see any of those guys being there until the second round. And if that was the case, you know, this isn't the Ted Thompson days where he would set up these prospect visits for undrafted free agents. He did it a totally different way. Yeah. It just, to me, it just feels like, you know, yeah, maybe Will McDonald's one of those players that if he falls, maybe we trade up in the second round and try to grab him. But I think it's very realistic to think Michael Mayer, Will McDonald, or, uh, or Quentin Johnston. What do you think, man? Oh man, I would. That's uh, you. You brought up one of the guys uh, for threshold breakers. I will say that I'm not going to say who, although probably most of the viewers can figure out who it is if they've you know looked at the measurables of any of these <laughs> right. guys uh, and what the Packers might favor. But yeah, I don't know. I the, it's very interesting to watch consensus and where the mocks are right now. It feels like the mocks are like heavy on Dalton Kincaid at the moment, right? Because right. he just he was just brought in for a visit as well. I don't know. I just feel like the box are always off. I want to see what, what DJ says. Cause I will say it was, yeah. I, I looked back through a bunch the last five years now. I was like, all right, where was the, where was the consensus about a week out? And Mayock and DJ were the only guys on Jair Alexander to green Bay in the first round. The only really? two, the only two. And um, after that, there was not much. It, it's it, it was obviously Jordan Love. Not many people were putting that down at all, right? It was <laughs> offensive line. It was Patrick Queen. It was, you know, what else? Ayuk. So there was a lot of that there. So it's it's been kind of off the board. Devontae Wyatt was one that a lot of people had pegged in towards the end of there. Not many people had, had Quay Walker. I will say that. Yeah, uh, 
Um, so I, I just feel like it's probably not going to be the like number one or number two guy that the mocks have right now. I, I feel like it's the mocks are heavy on, on Kincaid on one side and they're now heavy towards Van Ness on the other side on defense. And it makes me think that I'm going to, if I were to put it on, put it on the line right now, I'm going to go with Broderick Jones. I think it's going to be Georgia once again uh, in the first <laughs> round. And, and that's, and maybe, you know, that, that'll, that'll draw some ire as well because I think a lot of people, you know, will say that the offensive tackle room is is pretty deep. But when you look at, like, okay, got Nyman back for a year. That's nice. Uh, Bakhtiari obviously played really well last year. That was awesome to see. Looked looked a lot healthier. But, again, how, how long can he hold up? That leaves Zach Tom, uh, especially if neither are back uh, for 2024, right? And that's not guaranteed, I'll say, I would say, at this point. So, if if I were betting on it, I think this is exactly like picking Rashawn Gary, but on offense, where it's like Broderick Jones right now. Obviously, he can devastate people in open space. You know, you trust him to pull. He's going to do that. He's going to hit the landmark. I think the balance is the question, right? We we were talking to you know getting out over our skis about Mingo. Uh, Broderick Jones gets out over the skis. Uh, he he loves to lunge out there and hit, and and mm-hmm. that can get him into trouble, right? They're they're edge rushers who understand that okay, he's lunging. I can I can engage him just pull him down he gets into trouble in that regard but i think right now he's just kind of winning on brute strength mostly up top even he's kind of anchoring a little bit high which is weird to watch a little bit on film and and it, when he can win with that strength just imagine when he starts knee bending and when he can drop anchor like that's going to be impressive i think the athleticism is there i know clay we talked about broderick jones a little ways back you know yeah. uh on, on on your pod as well like we i, I feel like he is just really exciting and i think he is the guy that you can go, okay, this is the future tackle, him and Tom. We're going to, you know, let him come along a little bit. We'll see if he, you know, can earn a starting role. You know, if we roll our best five out there and need him out there. Otherwise, 2024 tackle with Zach Tom, pencil it in. Because I feel like if if they, you know, believe in love and they or, you know, they end up not and they need to get a QB, you know, you want to have that offensive line set. And I think yeah. they're clearly going to swing at some point again. Goody has been very, clearly – adamant on swinging at offensive line every year so maybe yeah. he's just at 15 this time I, I i have a feeling he is he is very very likely to be you know top two top three at, at, at what they're gonna think about it at 15 but yeah you know we'll see yeah michael lombardi was actually talking about him the other day and he if i understood him correctly he hands down feels like broderick jones has the highest upside of all of these tackle prospects you know, so um, and and I actually I believe I heard Greg Cosell talking about exactly what you were talking about, that lunge and getting a little bit out in front a little too much. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would be totally cool with Roderick Jones at, at tackle. And like you said, you you're creating competition, too. You know, you've got obviously box going to be at left tackle. And then literally, if you if you take Broderick Jones at number 15, you've got Zach Tom, you've got Yash, you've got Broderick Jones all battling for that tackle position. Man, that's that is going to create. That's the kind of atmosphere you want in that locker room for sure. Yeah. And I'm wondering, I don't know if they can do this. I just, just off the top of my head, hypothetical, like, Oh, Nyman signed the tender though. Right. So he's, yes, he's completely okay. Cause otherwise I was going to say, if he hadn't signed the tender, if, if he was kind of like technically still not, you know, yeah, I forgot he had signed it, but you know, it'd been interesting if they were able to flip him for a second after they take Jones and like do something like that, where, you know now okay now we now we know what they how they feel and like they were just hoping one of the guys were going to fall to them yeah interested what you think about potentially darnell Wright 
uh, being a selection at 15. That has been floated out there for sure. Yeah. I know there's been a couple of mocks. I think uh, Justice Mosqueda from uh, uh, Acme Packing, I think, did that recently in one of his mocks. I think Darnell Wright's probably going to be going before. I, I think the floor might be picked 20, which is kind of wild to think about now. But yeah, any thoughts on, on him potentially being the guy at 15? Man, it's you talk about the tell of uh, of two two prospects. It, when you ask people what do you like about Darnell Wright, they immediately say, "Go watch him face Will Anderson, right?" And yeah. he absolutely stonewalled Will Anderson there at Alabama. Um, you know, I'm down here about an hour and 15 minutes from Knoxville, Tennessee, so I try not to. I'm not a UT fan, although I will root for him because I get a lot of buddies that are UT fans, um, but. You hear them talk about him, and it's like, how in the world is he not a first-round pick? I heard it all year long. Now, I've tried to stay true to my board, and I'm I'm very tape-heavy. Um, I try to get my board uh, three-quarters of the way created, Jake, before the combine because I do not want to be swayed by how well they mm-hmm. perform running around in their underwear. Like, I, I want to know what they did on the field. And on my board, this is what kind of turns me off of Darnell Wright a little bit, is he's all the way down at the 40 spot on my board. That's even with with the maximum modifier of the RAS, you know, the the physical ability from the combine and everything. Mm -hmm. And then plus another three point modifier from Greg Cosell, who talked about, you know, him manhandling Will Anderson. He's a plug and play right tackle. What do we need right now? A right tackle. Um, They said that he he come he he strikes some people as a little odd. He's a very quiet kid. He's into video games and he just kind of keeps to himself, that type of thing. When they said that it was like maybe that's a negative thing, I'm like, how's that a negative thing? Like the dude, you know, at the top of the list, you've got Jalen Carter with his problems, you know, and it's just, oh, it's horrible. And then down here, you got a guy who's too quiet. Like I think we're starting to get a little picky. So, you know, that was the thing with Herbert. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the thing with Herbert. Very weird. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. But yeah, when it comes to Darnell Wright, I'm seeing it too. You know, around 22, 23. Um, I'm like, man, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes. You know, they're in the middle of the first round, and uh, that would be cool, man. It'd be good for the kid, I think. So yeah, um, just like I said, he seems like a really, really good guy. Yeah. All right, we got another one here. I think. so yeah, Michael asked, you know, you know, top tight ends and then pick a receiver like Addison Mingo with the second rounder. I mean, very possible. Thinks he thinks it's going to be JSN. Uh, worried about the tight end run, and I think that's fair. I, I think it's fair to talk about, you know, what could happen with the tight end run, and it's again very hard to predict what's going to happen. I from right now, it sounds like there's like two or three locked into the first round, maybe. Uh, I, I think Kincaid's probably going to be going in the first round. I don't know where it's going to be. There's, you know, talk about like the Evan Ingram franchise tag, you know, oh, maybe he's, it's just one year and Kincaid's the guy in Jacksonville after that. You look at New Orleans, you look at Cincinnati. And I know nobody wants to hear me say this and everybody hates when I mention it, but like Kansas City could take one of them at the end of the first. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Mayer going to Dallas as well. So that's, you know, another team that might, you know, if, if Bijan Robinson's off the board for Dallas, they might go with Mayer. So I could see that being an issue with the tight end run. But if the Packs are going to get, you know, 43 or 42, right, even if they get one of them, can package that with a three, you know, if you need, if you feel like you need to get up for, for one of the tight ends, I think they can do that. I also think like it, it would, I'd be kind of shocked if somebody like Sam Laporte is not there in the forties, that would yeah. shock me a little bit. And 
maybe, you know, maybe Michael's down on Laporta. I don't know. Uh, but somebody like him, I think Musgrave, that, that train has cooled off a little bit. It seems, uh, mm-hmm. I know, I know JJ's not his biggest fan. I, you know, if we talk in the discord chat for sure, uh, <laughs> Tucker craft, there's, I think it's, it's deep enough where you may not have to force the issue. Now, if green Bay likes a guy right. in this type of class where, you know, the blue chip is, is pretty, pretty slim overall, like. I don't think it really matters then who you're picking. If, if you're confident, and usually we talk about this like starting at maybe 20, 20 to 75. It's like, if you like a guy, who cares? Just take him because don't don't hesitate. Don't wait and hope that they're going to be there later. Yeah. Yeah, so at tight end, it, it, it's funny because, you know, this offseason on our pod, what we talked about was the safety position. How, you know, at the safety position – the draft is so thin on safety prospects, obviously, especially at the top. You pretty much got Brian Branch, and then in my opinion, it drops off significantly. So yeah. with that being said, and it being a weak, a quote unquote weak safety class, and none of us know until you know three or four years down the road, I get it. But yeah. that would cause the safety market and free agency to be hot. And that's exactly what we saw. On the on the flip side, what you had was you've got a heavy tight end draft class, and we predicted, hey, the tight end free agency is going to be cold, and it was. You know, Dalton Schultz, it took forever to, yeah. to get done. So with that being said, now we're at the draft, right? And now you've got all these tight end prospects, but it's so top-heavy. Really, it's so deep, but also top-heavy that I could see it going kind of cold for a little bit, like almost like teams are waiting for that run to start and maybe trading up and getting, you know, getting their guy of choice, you know, once you get one or two guys out of the – you know, off the board for me personally, it's Michael Mayer at 22, uh, Dalton Kincaid at 23, both in the same tier. They're neck and neck, in my opinion. Obviously, Dalton Kincaid's a a, a better uh, route runner, I believe. Michael Mayer is a more complete package at tight end, which is why I would rather see Michael Mayer than Dalton Kincaid. Um, and uh, then you've got I've got Luke Musgrave at 27, which totally makes sense because, like you said here of lately, it's cooled off. But with my board, it really leaned on the tape and how people felt at the end of the season, as opposed to after all the workouts. So I've got Mayer at 22, Kincaid at 23, uh, Musgrave at 27. And when I say these numbers, gang, it, it's not that's not the mock pick. That's not me right. predicting where they're going to be picked. That's where they sit on my board. Right. And then you go down to 35, and you got Darnell Washington. So you've really got four uh, borderline first-round, you know, talents that tied in. The question is, are teams going to look at Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid the same way that I'm looking at them on my board and going, you know what, I would be happy with either of those. Let's wait. Let's wait. And next thing you know, you've got this position group falling a bit. I could see that happening. If you had to guess, where do you think the first tight end will be taken? Not a specific team, but just a number. Do you think it would be – do you think somebody would actually take one of these guys in the middle of the first round? If it's going to be anybody, it seems like everybody thinks it's going to be Green Bay. Right. <laughs> um, if I were to guess right now, I, I, I'll, I'll throw out a team even. I, I'll throw out a team. I, I think the Chargers might kick it off. And I think the only reason that they would kick it off, uh, and I know we're, we're way down the hypothetical rabbit hole, but it sounds like Zay Flowers is going earlier than we think he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be New England's pick, you know, that whole, you know, if, Anybody listening listens to like stock exchange and PFF and all that. It's like low moving costs, you know, super fun thing. Stay in Boston, right? Like it's very possible that the Chargers say we like Mayor, we like Kincaid and that's what they roll with, right? You have Kellen Moore there. And I think that's, that's important to note. And why that could be the pick is, is Kellen Moore obviously coming from Dallas where they had Schultz, where they had Ferguson, right? Where they had Hendershot. They used a lot of them. 
And I think the Chargers could be the team where they, they you know, they maybe find a running back later. They tote Eckler until they possibly can't anymore this season. And they, they have play action, a ton of it. And they use the tight ends over the middle of the field. That could be the spot. I think Jacksonville's a spot. I mentioned Dallas. It's probably going to happen in the twenties, unless of course, right. you know, green Bay, <laughs> green Bay <laughs> does the thing. And, and, you know, starts starts things rolling, and it, who knows after that? They're all bets are off. Yeah, that so. makes a lot of sense. And and one of my favorite podcasts is actually, uh, it's called Patriots Unfiltered. Being a Packer fan, people are blown away that I'm like, why why are you listening to a Patriots podcast? I just love, you know, the success that New England's have had, and and I love listening to those those Boston fans get so freaking rowdy over their football team. And you're right, man. That's exactly who they've been talking about at the wide receiver position is Zay Flowers there. I mean, everybody from, you know, the senior guys of the podcast, Paul Perillo and Fred Kirsch and those guys all the way down to every fan calling in. They're like, we want Zay. We want Zay. And I'm like, why are they so enamored with Zay? I think Zay's a great prospect. But then when I seen that BC, I went, Oh, there it is. Boston college. That's exactly what's going on. So yeah, just so funny this time of year you're trying to read the tea leaves and go what's real and what isn't you know Mm -hmm. oh yeah that's oh speak yeah when you talk about the tea leaves this this past like few days with houston texans has been just kind of a nightmare (laughs) i just it makes it makes you want the draft to get here for sure and that's that that kind of stuff is is hard to figure out and you kind of almost have to navigate through that i think Almost now and maybe into Friday or Saturday is when we're going to actually start hearing about like, oh, you know, this guy might go in the first. This is about that time when we heard Walker is going in the first. Didn't know who it was. Of course, having to be Green Bay. But I think you're going to start to get more info as teams finalize their boards. Like DJ is going to go early, obviously, to the draft and him and Rappaport are going to compare notes. And so a lot of that goes on. And so, you know, that that'll be taken care of. And then we'll start to hear a few things. Uh, before we transition quick, is there anybody you want to, you want to say no thanks at 15 before we move on? You don't have to, right. Uh, right. If there's not anybody that's, you know, jumping out at you, but it's just hilarious, man. Cause I'm, you know, I'm the overly positive podcaster, right? Yeah. <laughs> but if, if I had to say one, no, um, God, it's there's not a cop out one. <laughs> it's not necessarily one player, but I'm right. going to tell you something, Jake. Okay. If, if a quarterback, okay, yeah, that was the cop out. That was the cop out. That, that, mm-hmm. If a quarterback falls, yep, and they have a higher draft grade on him than they did Jordan Love, they're taking him. <laughs> and I'm just telling you oh, right man. now, if Will Levis falls to 15, and they take Will Levis and his mayo in the coffee and eating the bananas with the pills on, and and we need to, we need to all go live immediately. We're oh all going live as a group. Whatever happens, we have to. And, and this <laughs> is the be. type of fan I am, Jake. I wouldn't go. What are they thinking? I would go. That means they have a higher draft grade than Jordan than Jordan Love, and that's yeah. cool. But immediately, oh, this whole Aaron Rodgers thing is going to come right back. It's going to be you wasted four years and yeah. you ticked off Aaron Rodgers, and you it's it's going to be horrible. And I just pray. The sweet baby Jesus that doesn't happen. <laughs> yep, that was exactly who I was gonna say. I was gonna say, man, if Will Levis is on the board and they take him, that is a no thanks. Like I, I want to get the evaluation year for love. And oh, I'm a Kentucky man. fan, Jake. I'm yeah. a Kentucky fan. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't want oh, it man. to happen. So 
Yeah. So if this, you know, if any other NFL team is listening right now, please move up to like yeah. 11 or 12, you know, for Levis. Let's get the quarterbacks off the board uh, before Green Bay picks it. Absolutely. 15. Yeah. Um, yeah. None of us are going to advocate uh, for Levis at 15 because then we'll lose viewers on the stream and then we don't want to do that. <laughs> um, we don't want to do that week out. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to go with that as well. I think my other one, like, I, I'd rather have Murphy after a trade down personally then stick and pick because i think there will be better players on the board um yeah. but again if green bay picks murphy high i'm thinking okay they believe in the trajectory that gary took murphy is going to take that and and i think he could take that it's just i think i'd rather have you know nolan smith at that spot i'd right. rather have you know if i'm trading down i'd still probably i'd probably rather have like will mcdonald honestly yep uh, uh more than than murphy at this point like i have him rated a little bit higher now the Packers obviously 238 pound edge. We'll get to that, but like that's kind of the maybe the one guy I'd be like ah, a little underwhelmed, but I'm not gonna be like super upset. Like I will understand what they believe in is is very similar to what they believed in with Gary, and I was yeah. wrong to ever question him in that regard. So absolutely, you know. and you know that's that's the thing too. Like when you hear about the 239 pounds or whatever, it's like. Guys, he's going to Wisconsin. We've got cheese curds. We've got spotted cow. We've got elk <laughs> stroganoff. We'll put some weight on that guy. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> but yeah. the upside there with Will McDonald is uh, it's some. And it, to me, if you ask me what what scenario do you want to unfold, for me it's trading back. But it's always trading agree. back because I'm just the most boring fan. Yeah. Like, Unless there's like somebody that's like fallen to that point where I'm like, this is a no doubter. Uh, like, you know, like you said, like if Carter falls to 15, it's like, okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. You know, he's got his buddy Wyatt there, you know, Walker's there, right. Stokes is there. Like we'll hopefully figure things out and like, you know, get him on the right track. Good with that. Like, yeah. Can I ask you a question while I'm thinking about it? Yeah, sure. How yeah. do you feel about what, what would you think if somehow, some way B. John Robinson fell to 15, I was gonna, would you be yeah, okay with that? I was going <laughs> to, I was going to bring this up actually before he transitioned as well. <laughs> Um, viewers, please don't leave. Please don't, please don't, don't worry. Don't worry. It's, they're probably not going to take him. Okay. You don't have to worry about it. Um, I'd be good with it. Uh, yeah. all right. Watching that viewer count now, as I just yeah, said that, um, man, Bichon's incredible. I, he's yeah. a wizard. Oh, it's some, yeah. See, uh, <laughs> the numbers will go down. No, Bichon's incredible though. I mean, just talking about the prospect, like he he's legitimately a wizard. I don't know how else to explain, like, the the footwork that he has between the tackles, like how elusive he can be, how quickly he can reset his feet. Like he is that guy who can slalom through, like get his footwork in position where he's like giving himself options left and right, no matter what. Like, yeah. I, I don't know him forcing missed tackles at, at the rate he does is, is insane. Uh, it's not normal. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously he's really physical, uh, like phenomenal pass catcher, right? Like he'll went through contact. He'll go up and get the football, like you come back on the back shoulder for, for, for football. Like I, what's there to say? He right. He's another one where it's like, Oh yeah, he doesn't have four, three speed. Okay, <laughs> cool. So he's, he's going to hit like doubles and triples instead because he's just, you can, and you can run a play where it's like, all right, well, you know, we're going to have everything blocked up for you. You need to beat this one guy. And you know, he's going to find a way to beat the one guy. Like it, yeah. it's, he, he very clearly has answers for that. Whether it be, you know, with quick feet, you know, with, with hesitation moves, right. He, he, him processing like and understanding like okay i can move this defender by how i act with like my footwork or you know 
bodily, like with my head and shoulders, like a lot like what receivers do, you know, in their routes, like he can do that before he gets to a point of like no return per se, where against one-on-one and defenders, where it's just like, he knows he's going to make this guy miss and him and Aaron Jones would be ridiculous. That, that might not be fair. (laughs) Now that you think about it, you know, I might not be fair. And I was looking at it. It's like, you know, this is the last year of AJ Dillon's contract and, and, you know, we all love AJ Dillon. We would love to have him back, you know, oh, yeah. but I feel like they're going to let him test the market. And when he yeah. tests the market, man, he's going to draw some interest. There's, you know, AJ Dillon's one of those backs that he's got a, a ton of talent, a ton of ability. Um, mm-hmm. So if you fast forward one year and say, okay, AJ Dillon isn't on the roster, now there's also a chance he gives them a hometown discount because yep. he absolutely loves everything about door County and, and, you know, everything in the green Bay area. But at the same time, if he, if you look at this roster and say, okay, we're without AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones is pretty much the only, you know, significant running back on the roster. Yeah. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world to have arguably the best running back in the draft. I mean, I think we would all agree it's the best running back in the draft. And some people have compared him, you know, not necessarily to build or play style, but kind of the, uh, the level of talent they've compared him to Saquon Barkley. Imagine that stepping right in as Aaron Jones steps away, you know, that would be really, really exciting. But again, I understand why people are, you know, it sounds silly. Number 15 pick is going to take a running back, but he's he's something else. Yeah. And, How's it going, Drew? Good to see you in the stream. Yeah, he can definitely make you miss in a phone booth, no doubt about it. I, I yeah, I mean, it, it would be way too much fun. I think, like, just <laughs> when you watch Lafleur just design a run game, and you think, oh yeah, how can how can Robinson work in that? You're like, oh man, that's that's fun. Uh, I my comp for him is Christian McCaffrey on a diet of cheese curds and everything like that. I think he's nice. McCaffrey with you know a little bit of thickness to him honestly yeah. so that's 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 what i definitely see out of him and i do think he is on the level of barkley as a prospect there's no doubt like i think he yeah when you compare the two i think obviously barkley's the home run hitter right and and maybe has a little bit more of of you know power when he drops his weight and he you know sticks the shoulder into you but like i think Bijan's a better processor i think he's got you know stronger vision between the tackles barkley's always kind of a kick it out because he knew he could kick it out and like right. sometimes that got him into trouble but yeah i think they're they're definitely on the on the same tier um yeah so now we'll move in quick here to uh gold chip prospects and what this normally is is players that you know in the middle rounds right this isn't like the blue chippers right some people have maybe called this red chip as well i i've heard gold chip too we'll we'll use gold because uh obviously packers draft review green and gold right uh these are players that maybe you know not first rounders Maybe you'd pound the table for. Um, so, Clay, do you have uh, one or two guys that you know you're thinking of right now that you're like, ah, if I were in the Packers room, you know, when this, when day two rolls around, or early day three rolls around, like who would I mm-hmm. tell Brian Gutekunst to be like, you need to draft this guy? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you one that comes to mind, and it, and it may bother people, and I don't know if he'll be around. You know, it, second round, yes, but third round, maybe not. Um, you know, we we need another linebacker. And if if somehow some way uh, a Drew Sanders or a or a Henley from Washington State are around, I would be totally cool with that because you know as much as we want to love Quay Walker, right? Um, I, I, I you know he's got all the athletic ability in the world, but you know there was there were some 
some things left to be desired as far as, you know, schematically and, and how he played within the system or, or maybe didn't play within the system at times. And I'm not saying get rid of Quay after one year. I'm just simply saying you need it. You need depth at linebacker. You need to continue to stock up that special teams. Uh, Drew Sanders and Henley, they're right there together for me. You know, the thing about Drew Sanders, he's, you know, he's, he's a stack backer, but he can also rush. He's yeah. got great key and diagnose. Um, he plays downhill. He's aggressive. He's competitive. He's everything you want in that inside linebacker top player. And then with Henley, man, I was doing a little digging on him, and I heard Greg Cosell talk about this. He was actually a receiver in high school in his first year in college. I mean, oh, he's wow. just got great play speed and range, plays with a quick trigger. Uh, he's one of those scrape and flow type guys. Yeah. Um, those are two guys that come to mind for me. And then another one might be Sidney Brown. You know, Sidney Brown kind of comes to mind at safety, not the best tackler, kind of one of the, you know, the opposite from uh, what we talk about with Brian Branch. But at the same time, you, you know, if you can, if you could snatch up Sidney Brown there, like you said, uh, you know, third round, somewhere in that range, that would be a, a good pickup as well. Yeah. Perfect little teaser that I can throw out there tomorrow, this channel, Sidney Brown video. So there you go. Nice, nice little teaser nice. for you guys. I agree. I think the tackling, he like kind of, he's like lunging to almost spear you. Kind of right. sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why he does that. It's very weird. <laughs> I don't understand it. But yeah, I think like instincts range, like like it's the, the versatility and coverage. Mm -hmm. You can put him in a lot of places. I think like an Amos in terms of like where you can stick him around coverage and he, yep. he understands the assignment. I like that a lot. Yeah, I I. I might even throw – I might pound the table for his teammate, actually, uh, Jartavius Martin. Let's look who, at it. Uh, I, I, would, I would definitely uh, pound the table for him. I, I think when you talk about, like, versatility as well, like Jartavius Martin played box. He played slot corner. He played boundary corner against Northwestern and Michigan. There were snaps of that. And he played single high safety. Nice. And honestly, I thought his best position was single high safety. Uh, just because reading out route concepts, I think he was really strong and, and uh, understanding when to trigger downhill and when the quarterback is is gearing up to throw. Like he was, he was there in an instant. So I think like may not have the. I think he's got good explosion. I think the speed is is sound. I think he's a little bit better testing speed than play speed. But like if you're gonna stick in a lot of Joe Barry quarters and stuff like that, where you need to be reading out your side of the field or your part of the field, like I would want. Jartavius Martin in there. You can throw him in the box sometimes if you want to. He is an incredibly good tackler. That's 16 run stops, I believe, this year uh, per PFF. So I he's and he's got the ball skills too. He had three picks last year, 10 pass breakups. Like he is he's around the ball when he needs to be. He can do it all. I'll pound the table for him. So yeah, Packers, get one of the Illinois safeties, please. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Land Let me one ask of you, let me ask you this, since we're talking safeties, you yeah. know, a lot of people have talked about Riley Moss, and, and I've got him listed as a corner. Do you have him listed as a corner or a safety, or do you think he's versatile enough to play safety? Yeah, so the safety transition is is interesting, because I know people are, like, talking about that for Moss. I know people are talking about that for Ringo as well. I think it's just, it's going to take some time. Like, if you've played only corner, you, you, have, you have learned a di completely different position in terms of, like, what your keys are in terms of like route concepts and everything. Like it's just, it's a lot that's going to be thrown on your plate immediately. If you're transitioning to safety, if you've never played there, like for branch, I don't think it's going to be any problem, right? We, he played safety in high school. I think he understands in a saving defense, you got to know a lot of things. And so I think someone like him, I think, you know, th that would be a lot easier. 
I think it would take time. I understand if you think, okay, this guy, I just don't trust, you know, either with the flexibility or the quicks and transition, right? Like I, or something like maybe he's high hipped and you see that and you're like, I just don't, you know, believe he can, you know, either when he's in pedal or when he's inside saddle, that he's going to transition well enough in coverage, right? That's fine. And if you want to transition him to safety, I think that that makes sense. Just know that it's, it's going to take some, some time. Cause it's, it's a, it's a new world out there playing safety and turn sure moving, moving over there from corner. Like we talk a lot about, you know, how tough it is sometimes moving from left tackle to right tackle. And it's like, yeah, the, the biggest thing with that is footwork and like, you know, kind of, I think the best way to put it is I heard this on the ringer NFL draft show is, you know, flipping from left tackle to right tackles often like wiping with the other hand. Like it's weird. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> right? Like, thing. What is this? I don't understand it. Like, I don't like it. Uh, so <laughs> the corner of safety, I think would be much more uncomfortable than that, honestly. But I, I can understand it. If you don't believe, like I said, in the speed and the agility, like, you know, maybe you should trust him in man coverage enough and you want him to be in more zone and, and like reading things out. Like yeah. I can understand moving him for sure. It's just a question of like how quick are they going to pick that up? Like, right? Yeah, it, it would be interesting. Looking at Riley Moss, like you know, he's somebody who's becoming more and more intriguing to me because Daniel Jeremiah, hearing him talk about him, hearing Greg Cosell talk about him, I just jotted down some notes. He's a former walk-on that shows you the work ethic, shows you he loves the game of football, had great tape, good size, competitive, a great tackler. Great ball skills, smooth, very, very smooth, and mirror match press man. He only ran a four four five, so people are like, "Oh, he's a little slow." But if you go watch the tape, he ran stride for stride with Marvin Harrison on deep routes when they played uh, against them. So uh, I don't know. He just seems like an intriguing prospect. I've got him in the one nineteen spot, okay. um, which to me seems a little low when you hear people rave over him. Do you do you know roughly where you have him, Jake? Is that does that seem low um, to you? Or? I think that's about right. I, I think sure. he can go anywhere. I think from maybe the eighties, nineties into the, into day three, I think that's, it's just so okay. deep at corner. That's the problem. Yeah. They're just name after name after name. Like, yeah, I think, I, I think that's the other thing. Like I, I want to talk because you mentioned it too. Like guys, four, four, five is fast. Like I don't, I know like <laughs> four, two is like, it's cool to run four, two and stuff, but like, listen, <laughs> four, four, five is, is humming people. Like, I don't think we, we understand like, yeah. Like Jalen Hyatt is fast. He ran four, four flat. Like, right. We know he's fast. So he's running four, four with pads on. Yep. That's clearly right. Like, so if you're running four, four, five, like that's for a corner, yeah. that's funny enough. I think we, the problem is when you're, you know, I don't want to pick out a prospect specifically, but like Cam Dantzler, when he came out, ran a four, six, like four, six, two or four, six, four. That's, that's not going to cut it. That's I think no Darian, really Darian Kendrick last year from Georgia, he ran like a four, eight. Yeah. That's not going to cut it. Like we, that, there's a point, but like four fours is perfectly fine. And yeah, I think, yeah, when he was in, yeah, depending on coverage, that's another thing. The Iowa DBs, they know, they know where they need to be. Yeah. And they, if you were going to look at an Iowa DB, like, and you were in a scheme that you, you like him to be up in your face a little bit more. And, and Joe Barry doesn't like to do that. <laughs> you know, we yeah. kind of know he likes his off coverage, but laugh, like, you got a guy who's up in your face. Like I, he looks really fluid impress and, and the pedal looks good yeah I, I i like riley moss i would be very much on board at, at what 116 i maybe even 78 you know if they they yeah. feel strongly enough in the, the group of corners that's there that'd be i'd love that yeah, uh absolutely. ian really quick grab kincaid and washington and run the true shannon and lafleur offense keep love clean by running in misdirection yeah if you could get washington and kincaid Whew. 
honestly, I don't care what else you do in the draft. <laughs> I don't even care. That that would end it for me right there. Like Washington blocking Kincaid basically being your slot receiver. Yeah, sure. I'm in. Yeah. If you can find it, a way to make that happen. It's possible. It's possible, but you know, you would have to do Kincaid at 15 and then probably trade up in the second to get Washington, I would imagine, because, you know, like I said, Washington's kind of that last, I got him there at the 35 spot and the next tight end, if I'm looking here correctly, it it doesn't come until 63 at Sam Laporta for me. Um, So yeah, man. I mean, that would be exciting, but also I, there there would be a lot of mad fans too if we went. <laughs> there would be. There would be, and then they'd realize, oh my gosh, Darnell Washington has you know can block like Lewis if you yeah. just make sure he's again. I don't know what it is. These Georgia guys. He he does the same thing as like like Broderick Jones does, where it's like, yes, he is he is all out in your face. Like I want to run you over, and it's like, well, you know, yeah. if you get too far out over. We're gonna have yeah. some problems, and he got he got kind of left in the dust sometimes by edge rushers who knew that was coming. Understood? Okay, I'm watching my film. I see this. This is what I'm gonna do. So this guy yeah. stay more composed himself. He clearly can do that though. I, I remember monster. one that's there was one play where he's on an island against Florida. Javon Dexter. We know how he plays. He is a powerful son of a gun coming yeah. at you. Like he doesn't even have to win with, with good pad level. He'll still run you over. And his ability just kind of like do that like anchor step where he's like sinking and sinking and sinking to where like, he's not giving up ground and Bennett got the pass off. Like I think that's all you need to know about Washington right there as a blocker. <laughs> that's, that's just, that's where, yeah, I, Ian, I love the idea. I do too. I don't know yeah. if anybody else is on board. <laughs> we'll see. I, I feel like it'd be very divided, but, I, but I like it a lot. Yeah, we would all three have to change our Twitter handles if it happened, yeah. but I would be on board too. Yeah. Yeah, I would lose if I had a check mark, I'd lose it immediately. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. Let's like talk that, about the man. check mark here. Oh yeah, let's. That's what we're. That's what we came here for to do that for sure. We rant about it. Um, trying to think of any any of the other gold chippers I want to throw out because I threw out Martin. You threw out Sanders, Henley, and um, uh, Sidney Brown. Right. Those right. are your three. Yeah. A couple others. If if I were to go not not on the safety route. Like I, there's one guy I want to talk about. We'll save him for another segment. Cause it works. Uh, I would probably pound the table if it got late enough and we got like the receiving tight ends and Kincaid or Laporta or crafts. You can maybe put Laporta in the mixed category. I think you can, but if, if you wanted a blocking tight end man, Brenton strange from Penn state, he really gets after it. Like when you watch him in split zone, like he's the hips are unlocked and he is, he's out there to put you on the turf, no matter what. Now, I don't think he's going to be, he's got a little bit of Richard Rogers in terms of what he's going to offer you as a receiver. I don't think he changes direction very well, but like, if you want a guy who's going to come in and help your running game out immediately, like Brendan strange from Penn state, get him, on the, get him on the roster. Strays, man. Listen yeah, to that's, um, that, hey, Richard Rogers, you know what? Big body, you know, caught the Hail Mary. We we yeah. thank him for for all he oh, did he to help out. Earned to help every dime of his paycheck. Just yeah. that one catch. It was that Hail Mary was sick. We we'll yeah. never forget that. No doubt about it. <laughs> Bart got a great question. Of course, doesn't Green Bay need to get better in offense to get an accurate picture of Jordan Love? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where I think the expanded options come in at at, at pick 15. We were talking about it a little earlier about like offensive tackle, you know, potentially being, being something they consider. I think guard will be something they consider later. Right. And it, it, I don't think they're leaving this draft without two tight ends and a receiver. Now the receiver might come later, right. It might not be JSN. 
But I, I think if you come away with, you know, somebody like, you know, we talked about Mingo a little bit, you know, A.T. Perry, something like that. I know Dontavian Wicks is somebody they brought in for a visit. Like they, they've got some guys that I think in the mid rounds where you can get a contributor. Yes. And you get a tight end. You maybe you contrast the styles a little bit with two of them. I, I can't imagine. We, we talked about how barren the receiver room was last year in the draft. They got three of them. Tight end room is barren. It's, it's, yeah, there's nothing there. We at least had Lazard in Green right. Bay last year, a receiver. Like this is, there is nothing, right? Yep. Mercedes Lewis is not back. No. So, the, there, Tanyan left. It's Deguara. <laughs> like, yeah. they, and, they Tyler got Davis. It. and Tyler Davis, <laughs> right? Like, they got to do something. They'll be adding two. It, yeah. It'll just be interesting to see who they do. Yep. Well, that's that's okay. Perfect. I'll pound the table for this guy. It's probably a little bit closer to round one. Get me Mozzie Smith in Green Bay, please. Mm. Get that man to Green Bay. Let him take up a gap or two. Uh, I, I, yeah, he is phenomenal, phenomenally gifted as an athlete too. And like pass rush chops are there again with a lot of these defensive tackles, like they just need to clean up the pad level and we're cooking with gas. Like it's Dexter's one of them that needs to clean that up. Benton gets in that area a little bit, not as much as the others, but Mozzie Smith's another one where he's just that powerful in the lower half where he can take on one or two and like, he'll beat you one-on-one because he's just got powerful hands and he's quick. Like, there was yep. that rumor of him running a sub seven three cone at, at 330 pounds <laughs> at the Michigan Pro Day last year or in the summer. Like, that's absurd. Like, I would love to do that. Stop, stop a guy from, yeah, from getting 500 yards rushing. Yeah. If we could have, if we could have somebody like him or uh, Jaqueline Roy, who I talked a little bit mm-hmm. about, if for those who are listening, there's a video today talked about some third round fits like Roy, another guy I think who can play nose tackle, one tech. Like, yeah have Clark and, and Wyatt flank a guy who can, you know, mix it up. That would be great. hundred percent agree. Both of those guys too, both Roy and uh, Mozzie Smith. Um, Greg Cosell was really, really big on both of those guys too. Yeah. Those I, they're the space eaters in this class. Unless you want to go like the eco route, which the film is unfortunately wasn't as good from 22 to uh, in 22 from 21. So that was a little unfortunate, but like, yeah, if, they, if you could get one of those two at nose tackle, there's some options later, but one of those two would be nice. Mm-hmm. Cops, general manager. What's up guys. Yeah. Kincaid is every bit the guy, you know, to, to maybe pile the table for as well. I, I think definitely worth, worth a look there. Uh, we mentioned a lot of uh, defensive guys. I mentioned one on tight end. Clayton, is there anybody in offense that maybe you'd want to you'd think about? Maybe it's Mingo. I don't know <laughs> if you want to pound the table for somebody. For for offense, pounding the table. Um I, I'm you know, I'm a Notre Dame fan as well. And I just feel like Michael Mayer is oh. the real deal. I do, man. Okay. And when you you know, we heard one of the uh the viewers just a second ago had mentioned, you know, uh taking Kincaid and, and Darnell Washington and running that Shanahan style offense. And, and I would be all for that. You know, I love Shanahan's offense, but yeah. a lot of times, and the listener wasn't doing this. I'm just saying in general, people typically say, well, we run a Shanahan offense. We do not, we run a McVay offense and there is a big difference, yeah. you know? Um, so sure. if you're going to stick with that McVay style offense, um, you know, even if you go to the Shanahan look, Mayer can do it all. He can do it all. You know, when you look at Kincaid, Kincaid is a freak. Don't get me wrong, but, he, you yeah, know, he's yeah. more of a receiving tight end. Mayer can line up attached. He can flex. 
He can play the boundary. He can he can do it all, and he is an excellent blocker. And and that's the big thing that that makes me hesitant on them taking a tight end early is because LaFleur has been so vocal in the past about how it just takes so much time for a tight end to get acclimated to the NFL. And when you look at every one of these tight ends and there's freaks across the board, the one that sticks out to you that goes, that's probably the most pro ready right now. I personally think is Michael Mayer. Now, is there more upside with Kincaid and Washington? Quite possibly that could be the case, but for me, pounding the table on offense, man, give me Michael Mayer. Um, just helping with the run game, and then also just just the way that he uses his body to make catches, the way that he creates just enough separation. Um, you know, one of the one of the people that broke him down was Greg Cosell. He was talking about both him and Dalton Kincaid, and he said the person that Michael Mayer reminds me of the most is uh, is Jason Witten. It's just like Jason Witten never wowed you with his speed. He never wowed you with his cutting ability, but he was always freaking open. He always caught the ball, and he could block like the former defensive lineman that he was, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, Mayer can and, – and I think maybe what Mayer has on Witten is elevating a little bit more, you know? Go yeah. up and get the ball a little bit. I know. And, and yeah, I think the 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 great note that you brought up is is where he positions his body at the catch point and how he positions it. Like – There'll be times in zone coverage where he's, you know, sitting down. Obviously, he's in the right spot. And maybe a throw is a little bit more towards a defender than than maybe the quarterback would like and Mayer would like. He, he does a great job of, of turning his body towards that defender to shield. He does a great job yep. shielding guys wherever he can to make sure he has the cleanest look at the ball. Yep. And that is something that is advanced, whether you're playing tight end or wide receiver, to, to give yourself the best chance to, to secure the football. Give your – don't – don't run yourself into a 50-50 situation. Make mm-hmm. sure you're in a 70-30, an 80-20, right, at, at the least, if you can. And, and Mayer does that really well. And he will be the guy who can, okay, I'll contort my body. I'll get those get those throws that maybe are a little bit, you know, outside of where you wanted it to be, right? If they're not pinpoint from love sometimes, that, that's going to happen, right? The growing pains are going to happen, even if he turns out to be spectacular. Let me help you out. Let me be the guy who can clean it up for you a little bit. Yeah. And pick you up when 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 you need it, right? I think Mayer would be that guy who can do that. Absolutely. And the bit the perfect scenario for me too would be to trade back five or six spots, right? Trade yeah. back five or six spots, still grab Mayer and pick up those extra picks, and then trade back up in the second maybe to get you know something else you need. Uh, that's the one thing that kept coming to me when I was doing. I don't like to broadcast mock drafts. I don't like to share them on Twitter, um, but I love doing mock drafts just to try to pick up. Every time I do a mock draft and I jot it down, I take a note of this keeps happening, this keeps happening, this keeps happening, right? Yep. And the one thing that kept happening to me was, man, we could really maximize the potential of our – our draft spots if we traded up in the second. I think I think that's a high possibility. And we've seen it last year, obviously, going up to get Christian Watson. Yeah. Yeah. When when you have a guy and yeah, they were trying to move up into in the first round. They they talked yeah. about that too. They were like, is anybody, you know, available 30 or 31 or 32 to go get them? And and yeah, I mean, I, I think if if they're in a position where they have two seconds, you know, maybe you don't want to pick in the third round. I don't blame you. I don't blame <laughs> you if you don't want to pick in the third round again. Like I get it. Like, you know, save that other yeah. second, like move up where you can. Yeah. I, I'm a hundred percent on board with that. Like, I think, like I said, I think we, we kind of talked about it. like, there's not a guy probably where you go, I must have this guy at 15, right. You know, we're it's probably not going to, going to happen. It's not going to go down, you know, that yeah. way. Um, But I, I think, 
yeah, it, it'll be a perfect spot to to pick up somebody in the twenties. You know, maybe hey, maybe the Chargers want to come for Zay Flowers. I don't know. You know, maybe want maybe somebody wants to go get Bijan. Cool. Right. Like, we'll we'll help you out. Uh, you know, maybe the Cowboys want him. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I I, I think Mayer would be just really solid and i don't think it would be the pick where people are like ah it's not as as fun it's not as exciting maybe as jsn but it's it's right it's a smart one and and ian says he's good with mayor and he's not a fan of the receiver class i that's fair that's fair yeah i think to me the receiver class in terms of like if you're just if you're putting on the packer scope of things it's like take jsn or just <laughs> wait just wait yep absolutely okay if you take if you don't take jsn don't force the issue don't do anything, you know, that that you might regret in a year or two, you know, and you're like, ah, that defensive player was there, you know, and we we had we wanted a receiver. It's like, you know, this this is the time where you don't really have to do that. Yeah. And Ian, I will definitely do that by by draft night for sure. For sure. I'll get the donos up. No worry. We'll 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 make that happen. Uh <laughs> all right. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Uh, we did that. Okay, let's, let's move into this. Um, and maybe this will kind of... Maybe wrap things up. We'll see. Um, you know, we're pushing pushing an hour. You know, uh, and obviously, we you know, we, we've we've talked quite a bit about this. But threshold breakers, I think, is a fun thing to look at because of the class that we're in this year in 2023. If you don't know, I feel like it's probably been brought up, maybe just not as 
talked about as much because obviously everybody's focused on where the quarterbacks are going to go because you know we didn't have this kind of intrigue last year it was like god one quarterback went in the first 74 (laughs) that was fun like everybody wants to talk about the quarterbacks and that's fair right but it's interesting to see how small this class is when you look at the top receivers right jsn's not small he's six foot and 196 but like when you look at addison 171 downs 171 like hyatt's 176 uh flowers is 182 so there's a lot of these smaller guys and what, what Dell's like 163, I think mm-hmm. from Houston, something like that. Like they're small there. The safety class has a lot of like 510, 511. Some guys are like 188. Some guys in just under 195. I talked about, you know, Martin, he's 511, 194, like not overly big. Like I think Sidney Brown is, I think he's under 510 if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And he's, but he is, he is over like 210. He's somewhere around 210, but he is 5'9. Like that's, you know, it, it's a small class. Yeah. Um, so that's, it's going to be, you know, a question mark. Like maybe do the Packers like, if they like a guy enough, will they bend the thresholds? Now they have done it. Jair Alexander was the perfect example because I think when the, when the Mayock thing came out and the DJ thing came out, you know, those mocks during draft week, it was like, yeah, but he sees smaller than they, than they would, right. you know, select. And it's like, well, we just and and Gutekunst, I think was something like well he's, he was really good and we just you know we were willing to do that I think it was really a really simple answer from him yeah so Clayton is there anybody that you know you would maybe look at and be like this is a guy that I think Green Bay may just be like you know what not worried about you know size or you know whatever the athletic testing was whatever it may be what's a player that you're like Packers might just say the heck with it and and take this guy. Yeah. I've got three and and one more so than any is okay. Brian Branch. I absolutely love Brian Branch at safety. You know, obviously yeah. the RAS, you know, uh Cheesehead TV uh, did a little collab a little while back and they kind of broken it down to where um since Goody was GM even further back, I believe they had not drafted a first or second round player that had an RAS score of less than 8.3 and Brian Branch is definitely less than 8.3, so that would be your threshold breaker, but again, Brian Branch, man, he's he, he Jake, he's PFF's best tackler, right? Highest tackle Great. percentage since since PFF was launched. Not just for safeties, but including linebackers as well. He's that sure of a tackler. Uh, on top of that, you know, immediately people say, yeah, but he can't cover. BS, like <laughs> 6.4 elite coverage grade, according to PFF. Yep. A 90.7 elite run defense grade. He was first in coverage stops, just talking about how he can attack the football and the ball, you know, when when the, the pass is completed. And he was eighth in forced incompletions. And, oh, by the way, yep. he plays for the Nick Saban, who has one of the most complex defenses in all of the history of college football, I would be over the moon about Brian Branch. Um, number two would be Jordan Addison. He's actually my top wide receiver. He's undersized. He doesn't meet the RAS threshold, although I've got him in the 16 spot. I think Jordan Addison is an excellent wide receiver. Um, am I saying it would happen? Probably not, but that's a player that comes to mind. And then my final one would be uh, defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman, Cansey. Uh, and. Okay. Uh, yeah, dude, I, okay. I love Elijah Cansey. He's undersized, but guys, go watch the tape. To be so undersized, this dude consistently beats double teams, and he's it, so quick off the ball. And I was hearing Greg Cosell and Ross Tucker talk about this the other day. If you guys know, Ross Tucker was a, a journeyman offensive line. I think he spent six years in the in the NFL. And Greg Cosell said, you know, it's his 
Kalaji Kansi's first step is just amazing. He mentioned an offensive lineman that had a weak first step, and he said, how big is it, Ross? And Ross said, it's everything. We used to pray on defensive linemen that didn't have that quick first step. And uh, Kalaji Kansi is one of those guys that really grabs my attention. So my three would be Brian Branch at the top of the list. I would be totally cool with Jordan Addison at number 15, although I know a lot of people don't like that pick. And then defensive tackle Kalaji Kansi. Those are three great ones. Uh, I would, I would, I would, I think I'd be on board with all of them. Maybe, maybe a little less cancy than the other two, but there's a part of me that's like, well, you know, <laughs> cancy at edge <laughs> and that defense is like, oh, that's interesting. I kind of like that. And it's, mm -hmm. I think the only thing with cancy is I, I, for me is like, yeah, he's doing, he's everything you talked about. He's doing like the Patros toolbox for a defensive tackle. Like you don't right. see these, like, this is not a, a thing that happens very often. My question is, is like, for me, it's not even like, Oh, he's two eighty or anything like that. He's what is he like? He's like six one, right? Something like that. He's not. Yeah. He's very either. short. Yeah. I'm not worried about that because I think like if you're shorter and, and you're, you're built well enough and powerful enough, like leverage is your friend when you're that small right? Against bigger yeah. guards and stuff. So that's, I don't even think like that's, that's my concern. I think it's just arm length. Like how well yeah. is he going to be able to, to, to gain leverage initially and kind of hold that like that is it's something he can consistently do against, you know, guards who are more refined technically, right. They don't obviously have super long arms either on the interior, right. That's often why they're in there, but yeah. like guys who play more controlled in there, can he consistently find a way to win? And I think hmm. he can, if you hide him correctly and by exactly. hide him, I mean, is obviously get him in a more favorable spot. I think the Eagles are in a great spot, spot to do that because they have Jordan Davis, right? Like Jordan Davis is taking up two, two guys, like at all times because they they have to take advantage of it and he'll be able to take advantage of ones and that'll kind of open him up more. I don't know if Green Bay's in the best spot to do that because of yeah. who they have at defensive tackle right now. But right. if you're drafting and play in the edge, mm -hmm. you can talk me into that for sure. Like yeah, and, and I, I've got Cansey in the number thirty spot, so obviously okay. we're talking second round if you were to fall. You know, I, I definitely wouldn't flirt with it at fifteen, obviously. Okay. But it's just it's one that's it's been one of my you know, most enjoyable prospects to watch this year. When you turn on the tape for him, it's, it's yeah. very interesting. Oh yeah. Yes. And, and I want to, and I, I don't know if I mentioned it either before we started, I can't remember now. Holy cow. Um, If we, if it was at the start of the show, or if it was before we, before we went live, like to all those out there watching and listening and like, Oh man, this Mingo hive is crazy. Like Jonathan Mingo is awesome. That's cool. Brian Branch to finish the game against Mississippi took Mingo up the seam, stayed in the hip pocket, got in the window, broke up the pass on a route where you'd expect Mingo to beat him clearly. And he said, no, 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 I've got this covered. Yeah. So I love yeah, it. Love I, I'm, I'm totally in. He is. So Branch is five eleven and five ace one ninety. That's fine. Yeah. It was just the RAS, you know, the RAS, uh, if I remember correctly, yeah, was, it's, Five yeah. two seven is what I see yeah, here. That was the big thing. But you know, again, and I and I know Kyle Hamilton was a little bit different prospect last year. His sure. RAS was through the roof. But when he yeah. ran that forty time and he started to drop, you know, that wonky forty, the sideways forty thing. Yeah, you know, infamous <laughs> sideways forty, the sideways. I, oh, I was man. screaming. I'm like, how are how is nobody taking this guy? He was the number two prospect on my board, and he fell all the way to fourteen. And and Jake, he graded out as the best safety in the entire NFL last year. Just amazing. Those of us who were not concerned about the forty probably aren't surprised. I, I would say <laughs> that, that he grayed out so well. I think. I think obviously Baltimore got him into you know 
more favorable looks where he's not necessarily being the, the single high guy, even though I think like he processed well enough to play it and he no. long, had the long strides to do so. But I think, yeah, I mean, clearly like I think Lance Zerline comped him to Cam Chancellor, I believe, mm-hmm. last year. And I that that has tracked so far in the league, no doubt. Absolutely. Um, want to get to a few of these quick before you know we talk about I'll, I'll bring up mine, but Couch Potato General Manager, of course, great friends of the channel. Uh has there been any indication that Green Bay will depart from their modus operandi at wide receiver? Yeah, and, and I agree with the second part. I don't think they'll they'll reach. They don't seem to be the team that that really does that at the receiver position, clearly. <laughs> uh Packer fans would say they they're not aggressive enough, I probably rather than than reaching or anything <laughs> like that. Uh I, I don't know. It seems like their visits so far with receivers have mostly been guys that are bigger guys that they would bring in. I think trying yeah. to think if there's any that have been smaller guys like Rasheed Rice was in. He's obviously a tremendous fit with what they like to do. I think Wicks was in if I'm I, I think Wicks visited if I'm not mistaken. I want to say he did. Mm-hmm. Uh and he's a bigger receiver. I think he's like six two and, and two oh six if I'm something somewhere around there. Uh and obviously he had a phenomenal 2021 season. He caught like 57 passes for like 1200 yards. Just an absurd clip that he that he was working at. I know Paul Noonan. Um, who did something in the draft guide this year for Cheesehead TV. He also does uh, wide receiver OPS over at Acme Packing. He was talking about the guys who, you know, are really good at catching the football right, like getting on base is what he would call that, and then generating the big plays, the doubles, the triples, the home runs, like in terms of either you're doing really well in terms of creating more yardage after the catch or you're getting more before the catch in terms of a deep threat, right? Getting those big buckets. Wicks was way near the top last year. Him and JSN were the, like, far beyond the rest of the class in terms of working at that at the at those high numbers and a guy who was really high in that number entering the draft last year christian watson yep so uh wicks isn't a guy like i i is a guy i think the packers in the mid rounds i'd love to see that uh so i i imagine to to answer the question i guess i, I don't imagine they will but i would love to do that for addison if it yeah. were anybody to be that yeah, right. I, I don't see it happening either, but I would be excited and they've got to do something though, Jake, because yeah. man, you've got Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samori Torre, Jeff Cotton and Bo Melton. Like something has got to happen at the wide receiver yeah. position. Do they do it with the 15 you know, spot or do they wait a little later? Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they pull the trigger on a wide receiver at number 15 and watch all of the Aaron Rodgers fans lose their mind. <laughs> it's coming up. The ultimate troll. Yeah. Is yeah. there anything that they could, that they can't do at 15? That's going to, you know, not cause an upper. I, I, upper, yeah, I swear I think it's going to be wild. Uh, it is. It's going to be fun. We'll be here let's, smiling. Yeah. <laughs> let's get it. Let's get uh, Michael. Appreciate you asking all these questions as well. Appreciate you sticking in here and, and, and staying active. It's great. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll each give a quick answer for this one too. If they can't get JSN, what route or round would you try to get a receiver? And will they mainly key in on a chain moving slot guy or any position if they like the receiver? It's a good question. I like it. Yeah. Uh, Clayton, if you want, if you got somebody in mind, go for it. If, if you're ready. I don't, I don't necessarily have anyone in mind, but I will say you've got to, you probably, if you're going to wait a little later, you're going to have to key in on the slot. You really are because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Dobbs and Watson, they're going to be your two outside receivers. You know, they're, you can mix and match that with, with X and Z, but you're going to have to have a slot. Um, you know, I, I don't see any scenario where Randall Cobb comes back to green Bay. I would welcome it with open arms, 70 PFF grade last year, probably the most sure handed receiver 
in a core where that obviously, you know, was tied for the most drops in the league. But uh, you've got to have something for that slot because unless they do shift to more of that 21 personnel that San Francisco runs, you're going to still be in the 11. Therefore, you're going to have, you know, Samori Torre or in, insert rookie wide receiver uh, playing that slot. And and I don't know if Samori, Samori Torre is, is so much a slot receiver or not. Um, and again, yeah. he's so raw. It's this this roster's it's it's got a ways to go, and that's the thing that that scares me the most, Jake. Because anyone yeah. anybody who's listened to me last year, I defended Aaron Rodgers a lot. I, yeah. I didn't feel mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, you got a guy with a broken thumb, bruised ribs, and this dude's out there just trying to you know do what he can with what he's got. And I'm not saying anybody should feel sorry for him, but. You know, even with me being an Aaron Rodgers fan, I'm more so a a Green Bay Packers fan, and I do not want to see Jordan Love get marched out there with nothing to work with. That's just that that's that would be horrible. So Mm -hmm. I don't have anyone specifically in mind. I'm sure you do, Jake, but I definitely do think we need a slot receiver. We got to land a slot receiver. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Michael, you answered your own question, kind of. The second yep. one with that player you mentioned in your question, um, yep. <laughs> right? Obviously, uh, that would be – I think there are two names that could make sense. I don't know when he's going to go, and maybe this is reaching for some, but I quite like Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee, and I think his, his the build he has, the ability as a blocker that he has, the kind of ways he can win, right? Like I think he isn't overly explosive per se, but has strong long speed to get down the field, right? Can go get a, get the football, can get to the back shoulder. Like he is really good at, at adjusting and finding the football in the air when he can. And I think he is a phenomenal blocker as well. I think that's something that the Packers are still going to look for in terms of what they want other slot receivers. So I think Tillman fits in that as well. And I think he can almost be that like if, if you don't draft your mayor or you do and you have somebody like Tillman who has the big body over the middle of the field as well. Cause I, Dobbs isn't like huge, right? Yeah. The receiver position and Watson is, you know, obviously he he's bigger, right. But you know, a little bit leaner at like, you know, 200 or so, but Tillman's, you know, pretty packed 215 on the body. And, and it feels like he would be able to handle those duties. Um, yeah. Rasheed Rice is another one I think as well. Like just have him in the slot, let him block, like let him find space and zone. And that is somebody for sure that obviously Green Bay just brought him in on a, on a visit, right? We'll see if that materializes into anything, but he is another one. I think he wants to finish you too, as, as, as a blocker, like he, yeah. even on a run play, there's one against Navy where he just goes out and says, you know what, for fun, I'm just going to pancake this defensive back. I don't know why he did it, but Hey, <laughs> you want to set a tone like that running the football? I'm yeah. in. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was, I was just sitting there kind of going through, I got Cedric Tillman at, at the number 92 spot for me. And like you said, man, that's a big body receiver, six, three. And if you do draft someone like that, then you probably want to try to force Dobbs into that slot role a little bit more. Who was the other receiver you just mentioned? Was it Rasheed Rice? Yeah. I did say Rice. Yeah. So Rice and so, Tillman were the two. And yeah, he, he's in the 71 spot for me. Both of these guys, the RAS is through the roof. So they definitely meet the criteria there. Mm-hmm. Um, just taking some notes from Greg Cosell talking about Rasheed Rice. He had far too many drops, but um, he was a high volume target. He's got good size, methodical route runner, always creates just enough separation as he was going through that. And I'm listen, I'm not trying to be dramatic here, but who had a lot of drops early in their career? 
and turned Devontae. out to be an excellent and excellent Devontae. route runner. It was Devonte Adams. Devontae. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Rasheed <laughs> yeah, Rice man. of those two that you mentioned would probably be my my pick okay. of those two uh, coming in at the okay. seventy one spot. I mean, Mingo obviously is a power slot works as well. You know, we've mentioned Absolutely. him a few times. Those those are probably the three that you know if you want. The body type plus, you know, can play in the slot and would be would be sound in there. I think those three, I think you're probably obviously getting more speed and a little more twitch with Mingo. Same with Rice than you are with Tillman. But I think yeah. Tillman gives you obviously probably some more options in terms of on the perimeter or not. And uh, so I will say somebody is uh, hopping in here to join us really quick as we're rolling through these. And we got a lot of questions. I think he'll be able to answer a few of them. The head honcho himself hey. is here. Uh, Ryan, how's it going? Good, man. I was doing Packer Night after dark. I'm just in my own world. I forgot about everything. Clayton <laughs> sent me a text, and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Yeah, so, yeah man, I, I'm sorry. You're good. We're in a great spot. You know, obviously, we're talking wide receivers. <laughs> so, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> everybody's favorite position. Uh, yeah. Um, this is Benjamin's got a couple of these nice questions in here, and and Brian, we'll definitely get your thoughts on some of the things we've covered as well uh backtrack a little bit but anybody can toss out now some thoughts thoughts on taking paris johnson if he falls clayton i know we talked a little bit earlier about you know tackle at 15 mm -hmm. ryan if you want to take it away and thoughts on johnson you know if he's uh maybe the guy at 15 yeah i think i think i like but don't love all of the offensive tackle guys um i'm not going to throw a fit about it but um i i think and i, I don't know what you guys have talked about already but the, the, <laughs> you're good the, the pick at 15 to me is just so – that's kind of everybody. I like but don't love any of these guys, um, sure. whether it's because I love them but the position isn't great or the position is great but I don't necessarily love them. Or or like Skaronsky, which I've been talking about, which is kind of weird because it's like if he's a tackle, I like him. If he's a guard, I love him, but then he's a guard and I don't love the position. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's all these weird things where – uh -huh. Um, but, but no, I mean, if, if we drafted Paris Johnson, be like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm completely fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm in the same boat. Clayton, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got, as far as my top tackles, I've got Peter Skaronsky in the 11 spot, Paris Johnson at 14 and Broderick Jones at 15. I would be totally cool with any of those guys at number 15. Um, I'm not huge on Skaronsky, which is hilarious that he's my highest graded, you know, tackle because I'm trying to, I removed all personal bias, you know, but <laughs> when I when I hear about a tackle being drafted so high and the immediate response is, but he would make a great guard, I'm going, hold up, wait a minute. But yeah, you know, like I mentioned before, a lot of people believe Broderick Jones has the the most upside. Um, Paris yeah. Johnson might be the most polished, and Skaronsky is just one of those guys that, like I said, man, it, it, he, he's yeah. he's rated higher, but people keep mentioning him as a guard, and that really turns me off. That's fair. I mean, I think, yeah, Paris in terms of like athletically how he uses everything right now and like especially in the run game, like if you yeah. want like the, the the reach blocking, the second level type of player, like just all the athleticism that he packs into a single player tackle is great. I think the polish grew as the season went along. And I think that's the most important thing I think with him that I saw is just it looked like all the bad habits at guard were there when he's playing Notre Dame, when he's playing Wisconsin early in the season, like Wisconsin's got some dudes, no doubt about it. But like, as the season went on, I think he got a lot better. I'd be fine with it. I'd definitely be more in on Skaronsky as well. Like I know Skaronsky at tackles, probably you're going to get two outcomes, right? He's just like, Oh wow. He's Rashawn Slater again, or, Oh, he's Jonah Williams. 
and this is a problem and we can't yeah. have him yeah. out here. And, but again, I mean, I would never say no to a, a long-term, you know, duo of Elton Jenkins and, and Peter Skaronsky at guard. You're never, right. you're never not going to be able to sell me on that. Like that is, I, yeah. I can, I can get on board with that anytime. Well, yeah. and that's the really cool thing about Skaronsky is in the short term, you got the the uh, elite guard duo, and then you're looking long term. You can move them out, maybe at right tackle or left tackle to replace Bakhtiari down the road, which I think would be a, a really cool option, also. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I, I love how we got to Skaronsky with the Paris Johnson question. We're like, ah, you know what? We're going to take this a different direction. <laughs> we're not, you know, we're fine with it, but I want to take it a different, if a different uh, spot here. Benjamin's got one more. Uh, any chance the Packers are still in if they ever were on Quentin Johnson? Uh, I assume the seven three is uh, obviously the seven three is not the forty. That's I believe the three cone is the seven three seven three forty. I think they would be out. Um, <laughs> I run a seven. I'd be out. I'd be out on seven three forty. Um, but uh, yeah, Benjamin, I assume you meant uh, the three cone, which yeah. Um, I mean, anybody want to hit that? I think my mic is. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this about Quentin Johnson. Um, I've got him in the twenty spot. Like I said, I've got Jordan Addison at sixteen. Quentin Johnson at 20, and then Jackson Smith and Jigba at 21. Quentin Johnson is, you know, I think he's exactly what we think he is. He's a vertical threat. Um, he's not a guy that's uh, that's going to be able to play inside. He's not that, you know, he doesn't have that shake, that lateral explosion that Jackson Smith and Jigba has. Um, but I remember you talking about Quentin Johnson. You kind of got me looking at him early on um, last season there. Jake and uh, you know he's he's got some of the measurables, just straight line speed. He's a deep threat. Um, I have an incomplete RAS on him right now. I never did get any kind of opinion as far as out of Greg Cosell on him. Are you still real high on Quentin Johnston? Do you you feel like he's uh, he's one of those guys that could be a little more versatile than just a, a DK Metcalf early on type, just stretching the field? Yeah, I think he can more, be more than Metcalf for sure. I think after the catch is where he can really shine. Like he he can make that first man miss, but like ultimately, like when you look at him after the catch, there's that there's this one move he does that not a lot of people do. It is he'll like get his feet off the ground right before the ball's there, right? He's using that to generate some extra bit of explosiveness out of the break. You know, he'll tilt tilt the head the, the direction opposite that he's gonna go, right? Get that defender moving the wrong direction and he's off to the races. He did that, I don't know, five times against Oklahoma State and Kansas, which is Again, maybe not the best competition that you want to see it against, but to see him have the post catch skill set he has in a Lafleur offense, I'm in. Like I, I'm definitely in on that. I, I think Ben Benjamin asked, you know, if he massive fall to the second, do do we pull the trigger? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I in the second, that sure. Like yeah. you, you can absolutely, absolutely can be talking to that. I think for him, it's just nav like, and I I wrote a Substack post on this. It's just navigating like inconsistent play on a consistent basis like that he has to figure out how to play to play get better in terms of okay can i use my length and, and my hands you know when i'm faced with press coverage can i can i diversify my release package because when guys figure out the one release i do they kind of erase me and i got i gotta have something else in the bag right can i can i consistently catch the ball away from my frame right can i win more in contested spots like all these positions all this the spots that he thrives in, and can thrive it's just play to play. It's not there. And that's the one thing you'll have to learn at the next level. And yeah, second round. Sure. Yeah. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah. I, uh, it's funny. Cause if you're looking at the question, as far as Quentin Johnson, I have no idea what the Packers think about the guy. They might love him. They might not, but it is kind of funny. Cause I was thinking the same thing with, with Jake being, there was a point in time where he was out of our reach. You know what I mean? Like he it would be, like awesome, but he wouldn't make it there. 
Um, and now it's like we've all forgot about him. We're all talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba, and it's like, yeah, we don't know. Maybe for all we know, the Packers have him as number one on their board, and and they're they're chomping at the bit to get him. So um, it will be interesting to see. It's it's I it's one of those guys I have to keep reminding people: don't forget about him. He's still there. You know, we don't want to talk about him, but yeah. they might still like him. Yeah, but but um, it's funny because you watch him and he has that sort of X receiver feel. He's one of the few guys in this class that kind of just looks like it, but there is a little bit missing there sometimes. You know, he doesn't always have that, like with the hands or whatever, where, you know, it, it's not quite all the way there, but it is tempting too, because that's kind of what you want. And and not a lot of guys in this class seem to have that. So it's, it's one of those things where, and I think about this with a lot of these guys, somebody's going to hit in a big way. And we're all going to say, we were stupid for not seeing that, right? It's either going to be Jackson's or, Quentin Johnson's going to go off and say, like, you bunch of idiots. How did you not see that? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But it's hard to tell who's going to be that guy because they all do have those little bit of flaws and those little things that, you know, whether it's a size thing or the hands thing or whatever, but they all just have these really high ceilings. So on one hand, it's like, I don't really know about Quentin Johnson, but at the same time, it's like, man, I'm, I, we're going to feel real stupid if we pass on this guy and he hits. Yeah. There might be even one more guy who we might even feel more stupid about because I think everybody is off now. Like even the guys who like love the production, in the SEC, you know, the, the the fantasy guys, I think were higher on him than maybe the film section of Twitter. I'll, I'll call it that. Like, yeah. if Jalen Hyde just comes out and balls, right? Oh, we're all gonna look so dumb. <laughs> right. Everybody's moved him so far down the board. How stupid right. are we yeah. gonna be when he put a thousand yard season up there because nobody can run with him? Right. Like that. That will be the ultimate one. I think. Yeah, uh, I've got him at the 33 spot. When you when you said SEC and and you know he slid down the board, I thought you were going to say Will Levis is what I thought. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, oh, hi, I've got him. At oh, the we're talking about Levis again. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> you missed that earlier, Ron. That got oh, open yeah. quick. Oh man, that was that was interesting. <laughs> he asked me. I believe the question was, you know, who who would be uh, absolutely not at number 15, and I'm like, yeah, man, no if, thanks. Yeah. If Will Levis <laughs> drops to 15. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god Ben's right there oh, <laughs> and, you know and i'm being serious like if the packers have him graded higher than they had jordan love i'm on board but i'm just telling you I mean, if they take will levis at 15 <laughs> we the packer fans packer nation it will be they will be rioting in the streets yeah. it will be horrible Packernet after dark is going to have to take a vacation. Oh, I'm, I'm taking those calls, man. Like, how do I have a thousand calls? <laughs> I wonder what they're about. Oh, oh man, that's going to be brutal. Um, Lee, longtime subscriber, uh, longtime commenter. How would Addison fit in Green Bay if selected? I know we touched on this a little bit earlier, um, Clayton, but I'm going to give the floor to Ryan because I think we kind of talked about Addison a little bit more, but we'll obviously yeah. get our thoughts in as well. Yeah, I know Addison's uh, – I believe Addison's Clayton's guy, if I'm not mistaken. You're pretty high on him. Um, yep. He's he's another one of those guys. So there, there's two issues. Number one is, again, there's there's the positives and the negatives with Addison, just like the rest of them. I really like – I mean, you watch him. He's fluid. He's fast and all that. And you just think, man, he could just carve up a defense. But then there's the negatives with the size and everything else. But then the other question I have is, what do the Packers want and what do the Packers need? You know, yeah. are, are we actually looking for that X receiver? Or do we think Dobbs is kind of that guy, like that possession receiver or whatever – do we want another speed guy? You know, it seems silly because we got Christian, but you look at Miami, do we want to pair that up? And when, then we got Dobbs and then the two speed. So I don't know what they're looking for is the other, is the other thing. And, and usually you can kind of peg that as far as, you know, want, knowing what they don't have. Um, so I, you know, Addison, just another guy. I like Addison. I'm worried about some of the, the, the flags with him in terms of just his, his size and other, and other things like that. But 
Um, would I be happy? Yeah, sure, I guess. I mean, it's just from their evaluation standpoint, they're looking at it and saying, this is what we need. So it answers all my questions. I guess we figured out what they wanted and what they needed. And it was yeah. Madison and we got them. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, looking at his pros and cons here, and this is on PFF side, and, and this is kind of what I've seen too, is like he he is not going to make anybody miss a tackle. That's the thing about Jordan. Yeah. So like he is, it's just not going to happen. He's a, a three-level route runner who has plus flexibility and footwork on his route breaks. He uses his route stems as a weapon. Greg Cosell said the same thing about that. He knows how to manipulate defensive backs, has the extra gear to get away and stay away from corners downfield. Now the cons are no physicality to his game whatsoever. He was pressed to the sideline too easily on vertical routes, um, pass drop issues. He had 21 drops his first two seasons at Pittsburgh, but only only two drops this past fall. So he seems to have cleaned that up. A lot of scheme production at USC, 23 of his 59 catches came on screen passes. That's very important. And they show, they say he shows shades of Emmanuel Sanders. So that doesn't sound like a good slot receiver to me. Um, Someone that, you know, might be your, you know, your, uh, your 10 yard sit, you know, that type of route runner. But uh, you know, again, it's, uh, it's one of those things, man, where, he, he's a receiver, but not one of those guys that's going to get in there and, and get dirty in the slot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think but, the toughest thing. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to, I was just going to say, I, I'm, I'm looking at Dane Brugler's top 10 wide receivers. Two of them are 200 pounds in the top 10, 200 or more pounds. It's, it's that mm-hmm. kind of class. It's absolutely wow. insane. That kind of class. It's crazy. No. I mean, I think two, that's interesting. So two Cedric Tillman, Tillman and would be, to be, okay. So yeah, Mingo's not in there. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, they get, he's got him at 12, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's I'd say that's about right. I, I will say for Addison, yeah, I think, man, yeah, if you just want to, like, if, if you had to summarize him in, like, six words or less, it's, like, knows how to get open, and that's, yeah, like, that's that's it. Like, yeah. he, he understands, you know, okay, where where the defender leverage is, how do I, how do I turn that disadvantage into an advantage for me? Like, the, he, can, he can do that, right? Like, he has both ways to win through the route break point that some guys only have one. Like you see guys who can sink their hips really well in the vertical plane and like they're in and out the break. No problem. Like two, three steps, you know, limited yardage displacement in the break as well. And like, it's like, okay, that's great. But Addison's also got the speed term. When you're looking at those in and out breakers, like he can stay on that curvilinear track and stay tight to it. And so like with all of that, like when you see all this zone coverage in the league right now, and you're like, oh, this guy just has to move defenders, find the soft spots. And like a lot like Olave did last year in the NFL is just, oh, win these curls by being tight to the route and getting back to the ball. And like he can do that. Like if you're going to ask him to do that, no problem. Right. But yeah, it's like he's never going to be an X. Like there's just no way. Yeah. Like you're not putting him on the backside of any of any, you know, three by ones or anything like that and be like, oh, just win. You know, this guy, this Jalen Ramsey is going to be in your face, by the way. Can you win? It's like, no, he, he won't yeah. like <laughs> It, it, he's in the he's in the Calvin Ridley type of uh, Emmanuel Sanders is a good one too, but like yeah, I mean if, if they want the guy who just get open and also by the way four four nine speed like why are we worried about oh we're up in arms about four four nine speed like oh that's right. so slow right come on that's crazy come it, on what it, it if is four four nine with the pads on too like he won deep against uh, against Stanford a bunch of times in that game against I think a pretty solid corner as well in this draft class so like. I mean, that's that's fine. I don't think we need to be up in arms. That feels very Kyle Hamilton-esque. It's like, oh, the 40 was horrendous. It's, like, <laughs> it okay. it's okay. funny to me because what it, it feels like it wasn't that long ago 4-4s was fast. Yeah. It's, 
Yeah. And four, it still five. is. Dude, he can fly. Now it's like if you're not four threes or four twos, it's like, ooh, that speed, man. It's a little bit slow. <laughs> when, when did four fours become a slow time? That's crazy right. to me. Right. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. we should like I don't know. People still don't like apparently check like who runs the four twos and four threes as well. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, those guys aren't good. <laughs> oh right. wow, that's strange. <laughs> right, well, right. Like there's a little bit more than speed going on, and you gotta be able to, you know, yeah. Look at the top way. receivers like Devontae and D Hop. They're all four five guys. Yep. Yeah. Well, Cup four six four. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. <laughs> Justin Jefferson ran at four four six, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, he was flying because they didn't think he was that fast. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, because he didn't need to win. He didn't need to win that way. And like you don't need right. to win in that way. So yeah, I I'd be good with Addison. At 15, well, maybe trade back would be better, in my opinion. Yeah. I think there'll that's be a few better guys, to be honest. But like if they do it. Am I going to be upset? No, absolutely yeah. not. That's what I kept telling him, Ryan, uh, When before you got on here, man. It's like every scenario that I keep coming up with, and I know I'm a boring fan, but it's like trade back, trade back, trade back. You know, it's what I keep coming up with. Michael has right. asked quite a few questions. Uh, <laughs> this one this one might take the cake, though, because <laughs> if you gave this to every Packers fan, you could go down a rabbit hole for a long time here. Uh, yeah, so we all know we love playing GM. Uh, not using hindsight, how would you have gone about last year's draft? And how would you go about it this year? I want to say one thing about last year's draft really quick. Um, it, it It's easy to say it now, but I was surprised last year's draft, they didn't stay proactive at safety when the class was better. That yeah. seemed a little bit shocking to me when they knew that the depth potentially was going to be very, very, um, very poor uh, in the room. Like obviously Rudy Ford helped them out a lot. Like, but yeah, obviously Amos isn't back. Uh, you know, Savage, you know, looked like he played better in the slot, you know, down the stretch a little bit more than he did in you know in deep half and quarters and all that. Like, I, I'm very surprised. I won't say be like, oh man, I would have traded up to nine for that receiver, although I would have, but like <laughs> that would have been fun. But like that's the one thing I'm surprised they didn't do last yeah. year is get proactive there because they usually are. Yeah, no. When it comes to Savage, and I, I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but <laughs> I mean the guy graded out, if I understood correctly, you know, with with a minimum amount of snaps, you know, uh, as as far as a qualifier, I think he was the eighty seventh graded safety out of eighty eight in that threat. I mean, it was it's and and I'm still baffled. We're talking about seven point nine million dollars guaranteed on a fifth year option, and I'm I'm sitting here. I don't pretend like I know more than Goody. Please don't take this the wrong way. I'm, I just I'm I'm screaming. Make this make sense for me, please. Like why why are we why are we going this route? And it really came from last year. You hit the nail on the head, Jake. You know we all talked about it going to that draft last year. We we got to hit on a safety. We got to get a safety. We got to get a safety. He didn't even touch it. And then lo and behold, it was a disaster this year. And like you said, if Rudy Ford hadn't come on, man, it would have been an even bigger disaster. It really would have. And I do feel like Savage played better in the slot. Um, but now we're sitting here with $8 million on the cap and, and a guy, and maybe they move him. I don't know. You know, that it, maybe it's kind of a Jeff Okuda type thing that, that you trade him, you get that off the books, you pick up a conditional seventh round pick or whatever, and you just free up the cap to roll over next year. But uh, it's tough, man, because now you're looking at this safety class and it's like, whoo, you've got yeah. Brian Branch and then it drops off pretty quick. You know, it really does. Um, I, I The name that keeps coming up to me too, though, is Sidney Brown. That's one that keeps popping up to me later in the draft. Yeah, I mean, as far as the the question is concerned, 
we'll we'll see what happens with Quay, but man, it sure would have been nice if that was Jaquan Brisker. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see how these things pan out, but yeah. it looks like he's going to have a great career. And you know, and even when you look at our situation, I mean, linebacker forget the positional value isn't as big of a need. We've got a guy in there that can play and some of the rotational guys that come up, they do a, they do a fine job. And it's also a position you can generally find somebody in the mid rounds, but yeah, like you said, the, the amount of depth, I mean, was seen and brisker and, and some of the guys that were there um, and just, just sitting on the board for us. Um, it, it really seemed like that would have been a hit, but we'll, we'll just keep our fingers crossed and uh, see how, how Quay pans out, I guess. Yeah. yeah I will say the, yeah, it would have been nice, like you said, to place Brisker in that spot and then the third round, place Leo Chanel. Uh, oh. No idea how he fell that far, um, testing that 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 well and, and like legitimately being a thumper. Like he just just wants to just, just wants to eat downhill and like he's going to mess up some O-linemen. Like he he messed with, with Linderbaum a ton uh, last year or whatnot. That's a long time ago. But yeah, it's, that would have been nice to just switch those two and just feel like, okay, like a lot of positions feel set on defense and it leaves you a lot of directions to go. And it's just, yeah, everything, even Kirby Joseph, another safety, you, you know, don't mean to bring up, you know, bad memories of last season, but like he obviously played well uh, in Detroit. So yeah, a lot of safeties that, that potentially could have been. Uh, yeah. The picks, the Quay, the Quay Walker pick just continues to hurt me. Um, yeah. And, and I want it to work because he is a freak on the, I mean, you can see yeah. the physical ability. It's just, you know, Isaiah McDuffie scored higher than him on PFF at a 58.6. And it's like, mm. you know, I think Quay finished at a 51.9. And, and I think we would all agree PFF isn't everything, but it does give you an yeah. extra measurable there. It's like, man, if, sure. if that's what you were going to get. Yeah. Brisker, Ryan, I wish you hadn't even mentioned it. I'm, gonna, I'm sorry. <laughs> tonight. It does sting because it's every yeah, example man. we brought up is the NFC North. The Vikings yeah, addressed yes. it, the Bears addressed it, the Lions addressed it, and we got Quay, which, again, hopefully pans out. But it's like, dang it, man, that stings. Yeah, it does. I was convinced all day leading up into the night. I'm like, Dax Hill at 22, <laughs> Dax Hill at 28. It's one of those spots. Michigan guy, here we go. And it's like, yeah. oh, man, they've gone Georgia again. I, again, <laughs> the draft, honestly, it looks like through one year, I know it's just one year, but, like, it looks pretty darn good. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, Day three, that is unbelievable. Like, that's just astronomically more than you could have asked for. And I know yeah. it's like, oh, well, they should have hit in round one if they can do that. But, like, again, you know, we're going to talk. We talk about these guys, you know, for months. Next Thursday when they pick, 10 of those 31 guys in the first round are going to be really, really good. Yeah, And yep. the other 21 or so are going to fall into a range that, you know, cut in a couple of years. Like, it's it's not easy. This is right. a tough business I'm to to keep hitting on like it's this is how it is i'm very excited about Devonte wyatt though i didn't realize he got yeah. 224 snaps i thought it was way fewer than that but i mean he did get a, a decent sample size he graded out pretty well when we seen him on the field man you could see that athleticism so Devonte, if if you hit on christian watson Devonte wyatt you know uh zach i know i'm missing some i'm just trying to rattle them off zach tom yeah um i think romeo dobbs can contribute on down the road for sure um i mean that was it's a pretty yeah. good draft class. You're right, man. That's pretty solid. 
And, and again, yeah. Quay hurts a little, but um, who knows them? And he may come out this year and, and, and it, and it click, you know? Yeah. And we've got nothing from Sean Ryan yet. Nothing. And I know the suspension is, is not great. And like that is just not setting a great tail going into year two. Right. Oh, I had a coming to Jesus. But hey, how deep down the spiral were we with Devonte Adams through like three seasons? It felt <laughs> like it was low. Yeah. yeah. Very, it was true. Low. Very, so very true. We just, you just never know. But yeah, I like overall it's, it's hard to, it's hard to complain a ton, but I think the safety class is the thing that hurts, but yeah, I, I agree, Clayton. Let's let's get one of the Illinois guys. Let's get one yeah. of those guys in the building. So, I I had just said that. Give me any of the Illinois DBs, corner, safety. <laughs> give me that entire. Just draft the entire DB class. I'm, and I'm in. I love I'm this. In. So I'm much. in. I'm in. Right here. Yeah. Add them all. Add them all. <laughs> by the way, I, I I do have a question. I know you and I were both big Chris Smith guys. Are you still in on Chris Smith? Yes. Or did, okay, so it yes. didn't scare I'm you in. off. This, I'm in. You know, it's funny, threshold breakers we were talking about just before you got on. That's one of mine for sure. Is like, I don't care that the testing was bad. Like, yeah. he's small. Like, I get it. Like, that's kind of when you look at the like the film, it's like, oh, he's not super fast, right? Like, he's not like, but his eyes, yeah, what's going on upstairs, like everything clicks there. And like, he tackles pretty darn well for 188 pound safety. Yes. I'm, I'm still in. And you might be able to get him in, like the fifth round now or something like that. Well, that's what that's what I'm saying. And I didn't know, like, am I being stupid? Because I've, I've done that before where I'm really in on somebody and the testing is terrible and then they just flop out. So I want to still like Chris Smith, but I needed your permission before I <laughs> <laughs> I know I've been driving that train for a while. Yeah. He is. He is. I, yeah, I'm still in. I think – and it's going to be discounted now for sure. Like, that's right. what's really nice. It's like everybody's on the Illinois DBs, and that's – I mean, they should be. Like, they're they're really talented. I know yeah. Jamie Robinson has a ton of fans, you know, amongst amongst Packers Twitter as well as a safety. But, like, yeah, if you – no, your pick, what is it, like 149, I think, as we have, or something like that, if I remember correctly. But, like, Chris Smith's still on the board at 159. Don't hesitate. He might just be an Enigbare uh, coming yeah. off, you know, for you. And Romeo Dobbs type of contributor near one, and that that works for me. I'm I'm still very much in. Still one of my guys, no doubt. Can do. Um, Andrew says, do, the, will they, do we maybe sign a vet after the draft, or when do you see that happening? I will say, there's, I mean, Samori Touré is 25. Is that good enough? Like, can that be considered a vet? Is that fine? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Watson's 23. It's not like any of these guys are super young. I mean, you know. Oh, man. JSM would be by far the youngest in the room. Just saying, like, he is all the veteran presence around him to succeed. I don't know. I'm I'm just still hoping that Mercedes Lewis signs with the Packers. Hey, no matter what we do with tight end, you know, having yep. that guy in the room to help bring along a couple of rookie tight ends, and if that means you you ax Tyler Davis, then you ax Tyler Davis, you know, or at I'm least sure. try to squeeze him on the practice squad. I don't think people were going to be lining up around the block to sign him. So, um, but for me, Mercedes Lewis, I think would be a great, and it's obvious he hasn't got a lot of interest, right? And, and I have a hard time believing that he's just holding out to play with Rodgers and the Jets. You know, I really do. Um, and, you you know, you could get him for a deal. I mean, would you would you sign him for two and a half, three million? You know, I would. I think that would be great for the tight end room. I really do. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just – it literally might just be like, ah, you know, we're seeing if we can get, I don't know, Darnell Washington and Zach Koontz. If we have both of those guys, okay, maybe we're not bringing you back. But, like, if we yeah, you know, right. end up right. with, you know, two more of the, like – you know, if you get a Laporta who I think can play in line a little bit, but like he needs to, it needs to get there for him. And he's also not a big dude. He's like 245. Yeah. And you get another receiving type, then it's like, okay, yeah, we got to have 
Lewis back there. I think the draft is going to, I think, peak or diminish the interest. Yeah, and wide res- wide receiver. I mean, we're, we're obviously it's the same situation as far as we got to see how the draft goes. We don't have enough bodies right now. Bottom line, so so if we don't get probably three more guys in the draft, um, we're we're going to have to add bodies. And then it's just a question of do you still want the even if you get the bodies, do you want to have a veteran presence in there? And the answer probably would be yes. You want somebody that's got a little bit of uh, a couple years in the league at least, not second-year guys and rookies as your only receivers. That's a little rough. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. everybody's 23 or above. So, yeah. You know. <laughs> you know this, you're old. Uh, if JSN makes that joke after we draft him, that I'd be tickled. That'd be great to hear out there. Like, What's with all these old dudes in the room here? <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, uh, let's see. You know, Ryan, we had a few things. I don't know if you want to – we want to go back to you for a couple of these really quick here before we kind of maybe wrap things up. I know we're approaching two hours. Clayton and I at least are, and it's obviously getting pretty late out there, even in the even in the Midwest uh, side of things. But is there anybody, Ryan, where you're like, I got to have this guy at 15 or or you just if you don't want to have anybody, you know, if you have a prediction or any thoughts, I know. Obviously, there's consensus box out there that are throwing Kincaid out there a lot in Van Ness. I don't know if you think it's one of them, but yeah, anything. No, thanks. Predictions, dream picks wherever you want to go with it at 15 15 is the hardest one like i i, I got a bunch of guys i love later on second round third round fourth yeah. round 15 is like i really don't know um yeah. and, th- and then you got to wonder about uh what the heck oh keon white yeah we didn't bring him up yet See if that's going to be a thing in the first round or not it, it seems like uh I, I, it seems impossible, but at the same time it's like that just makes perfect sense it's a position yeah. that they want to draft it's still technically a need he's Uh oh, Keon White. Keon White just—I had to kick him. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but uh, uh, yeah, I keep I keep hearing everyone talk about Keon White. Well, it's—I yeah. it's, mean, he's going to the draft. That's like the biggest thing right now. It's like, <laughs> right? It was it was what two and a half months ago or so. Now that's like, oh, DJ put him at number eight on the big board. Now is DJ just kind of throwing stuff out there to see what like what sticks and like, Oh, our GM's going to back him in this. And like, Oh, Keon white's really good. Yes. We're high on him. And and he goes from there or like, is this legitimate and has been legitimate for, for months. And DJ wow. was kind of our first, like, okay, this is a thing. And then, you know, now he's going to the draft and of course it could be new Orleans. It could be, you know, Cincinnati, maybe it could be Philly. It could be Kansas city, right? Like it could be any of those teams, but, yeah, there's a chance, folks. I know we didn't bring it up earlier, but I, I think there's a chance. Ryan just texted me. He said, "Oops, the internet just dropped." Just tell the people I had something super profound okay. I was about to say. Hello. Okay. Um, now, but Keon White, though, I and yeah. and we can wrap up with this if you'd like. Um, I've got him at the 50 spot now. What did you just say? They have he DJ has him where on his big board? Well, so he he came out with one um, during Senior Bowl week. It was like right to kick things off. I think it was it was. I think it was Tuesday because the practice, yeah, because the practice started Tuesday. And I remember getting there and like, oh, it was DJ Big Board come out. I was like, okay, I'll open that up as soon as I sit down and like get everything set up to start watching practice. And I go, oh my gosh, Keon White is at eight. <laughs> and the Twitter world was a buzz on this, right? And the draft side of things it was like, oh my gosh, like he, he he's eight. Do I have to, do I, have I missed something? Do I need to go watch this? And I think everybody went to watch him. And I think most people kind of came away 
with like, ah, I don't quite see it in terms of like number eight, but like yeah. day two, sure. Like again, he is, he is like 24, I think. So it's like, Oh, what would happen with the late breakout in terms of, you know, the grading and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, it was very interesting to see that. And then of course now DJ backed off. I think, I don't know where he is right now. If he, if he even is in the top 50, but yeah. I think now the talk has grown again, obviously, cause he is, he is, um, attending. That is crazy, man. Wow. So, and I know That's Kincaid crazy. was 10 on the initial, like on the initial board as well. You watch though. You watch. He goes to the draft. The Packers take him at 15 and oh, he ends good. up being another Rashawn Gary. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. He, he probably would be at, at that point because, uh, oh man, I, I have, I'm, I'm logged on PFF. I just want to see, I remember I looked, I was trying to look at their board. big board too. Yeah. I think he's like 120th. If I'm correct, he is. Uh, yep, one twenty. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. I remember looking at wow. a little earlier. Yeah, one twenty. So twenty four. PFF's not going to love this uh, at all. Twenty four um, years old. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, um, it, it's going to be quite an evening. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people are kind of. This is the no thanks. By the way, if everybody was, you know, tried to come to a consensus, this is probably the no thanks selection. Yeah, I have a feeling it might happen if they trade down. That's I at 15 would be wild uh, via trade down where you can be like, ah, we kind of value everybody between 20 and 70 the same. <laughs> it's like, ah, we just wanted this guy. It's, it's like, I would okay, love to, you can get away with that, I guess. But, you know, I would love to be behind those closed doors, though, to see how they decided that he was going to go to the draft. Like who made that decision to to invite him? Oh, you know what I mean? Like, how does oh, that come about? Shoot. I remember them talking about this last year because I remember Corral attended um, and he obviously didn't get picked to like 97th or 94th or something like that. And he went to the draft thinking, oh, maybe Seattle's picking you at nine. It's like, oh, goodness. No, that that did not happen. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's I I don't know the the, because everyone else like on there is like pretty much been talked about in the first round for most of the process other than Keon White in in spurts. Addison and Johnston are obviously the ones who are like, ah, maybe they're falling out of the first now just because the talk is kind of simmered on both. Right. You know, right. the process hasn't been the kindest to them, but I think overall they usually have a pretty good indication of like, I think like 80, 90% of those guys will, will for sure be walking out to the stage. It's just, there's like maybe one or two where you're like, ah, this is a fringe guy. You know, if it's the right team. Yes. I, there's a process. I forget what, like, if it's if it's the NFL itself or if it's some other like third party who kind of reaches out and like, oh, come to the drafts. I don't remember, but Lee is a good one. Did you guys talk about Tucker Craft? We I think I mentioned him like really briefly when talking about like pairings or something, but mm-hmm. I like Tucker Craft as well. I he he was he was a running back at one time. Um, and that really? clearly shows up with how elusive he is after the catch, in my opinion. And, and like you don't see a lot of tight ends being like, ah, I can just like make this guy miss in space. Like I'm a receiver or something like he, he has, he's really nimble and balanced too. When he's making cuts and he's trying to avoid would be tacklers. Like I, I'm really impressed there. I think the speed is, is sound, uh, good hands, right? I think the numbers are really good for him. He had like what he had like 70, 770 yards, six touchdowns last year. And that was like, as a redshirt sophomore, really good numbers for a younger player at tight end where it takes some time usually. And like, if he didn't get injured, I think this past year he got hurt in the first game against Iowa. Like, I think the numbers would have been really, really good. And like, he can go off at any moment. He's got a finisher's mentality as as a um, 
as a blocker, but I, uh, that's the other thing with him is like Laporta's two like 45, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look this up while I'm talking about it and finish my point, but like Laporta's smaller, but I do think Kraft is like 254, if I remember correctly. So I think there's, there's, if the Packers like him and like they want to move up maybe from 78 or they're moving back into like the 50s or 60s, like somewhere in there, I feel like would be a, just a phenomenal spot to land Tucker Craft, in my opinion. Yeah, I've got him at number 79 on my board, and it looks like PFF actually has him in the same spot. Yeah, 79 spot on their big board. Okay. Um, like you said, 6'5". That'd five, be perfect. Yeah, 6'5", 254. Okay. Um, FCS, though, small school, right? Yeah. Um, looks like in 2021, his PFF grade was 85.0, 14th among uh, 14 out of 440 tight ends. And then yep. in 2022, he dropped down to a 79.0, but still finished in the top 20 of tight ends. I mean, just one of those guys, the RAS is through the freaking roof. Um, can he put it together, you know, between the lines? Um, Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I'm big. I, I remember coming into the year because I, I had a little bit of, of film for last year and I took a look at him from what I could from other, like, you know, cuts on YouTube or whatnot of the, of the broadcast. And it's just like, man, he just looks different out there. And 2021, it was very clear how different he looked. Um, and like you said, yeah, he is what it's six four and three quarters, two fifty-four. Like that's plenty big enough at the four, position. Six, You're not worried about like ah, he's two thirty-eight or he's two forty-five, and it's like ah, he's never gonna play in line. Like he could probably work to play in line, especially if we're talking about Mayer doing it. Cause I think Mayer's what is he? He's like two forty-eight to two or to 252 somewhere in there i think if i remember correctly but i'm trying to see i'll pull it up these right off now. the heads i got the res here 249 so like we're talking about mayor being a complete tight end like why are we talking about tucker craft potentially being a complete tight end That's i'm not point. sure very good I, I just think it, it'll obviously take time like transitioning from you know fcs to nfl is a bigger jump but like technique wise like he can clean things up just like anybody else can and, and he can command targets immediately too so yeah, I'm, and Lee, I agree. Kraft is definitely. I had him. I remember. I was like, ah, oh, it's Mayer, then it's Kraft coming into the season. I remember that vividly going into August, September. I'm like, Tucker Kraft, beast. I got to record his game against Iowa. I want to watch that game. Him and Laporte. It's gonna be a phenomenal duo. Watching the tight ends, and then he got hurt. It was unfortunate, but yeah. big fan still. Apparently, oh yeah, maybe Johnston did not get invited. Uh, it's in our. Yeah, I'm not sure if he got invited or not. It's in our Discord. That's kind of strange. Well, did he not get invited? I don't know if anybody said he didn't get invited or he's just not attending. Because some Uh guys would be like, I'm not attending. Right. You'll definitely get that. And they're like, I just want to, you know, family, friends. Like, I don't want to go to the draft or anything. I just want to spend it at home or something like that. That definitely happens. I don't know if he declined the invite or not. I imagine he would get invited, especially if Addison is, because I feel like Addison's getting less round one talk than Johnson is still at this point. Right. Right. Just because, again, Johnson offers like we kind of talked about the potential X that that Addison doesn't. So, yeah, it's, it, it's very possible. He just didn't didn't go because I know all the top four quarterbacks are going Witherspoon, Gonzalez, Porter. Uh, is Banks going? No, I don't see Banks on here, but Smith and Jigba is obviously going Paris Johnson going like obviously all the top guys are going, but like some top guys aren't there. Like I don't see Broderick Jones or Darnell Wright on here. Uh, I don't see Peter Skaronsky on here. Like Skaronsky's going in the first. We know that. And he's just not there. Yeah. So some guys won't. Right. Yeah. Bad. Some just aren't attending. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot else. I think we covered pretty much everything we yeah, wanted to do. And I think did, it was man. a loaded show. A lot of great questions. Really. That was, that was exciting. I'm glad everybody tuned in. I know 
we kind of had to delay it. That's my bad. Uh, power, you know, but we got the power back on. I'm glad we could do this tonight because this is, you know, obviously one week out. And I think by about right now or so, you know, it'll be wrapping up and we'll be talking about who the Packers selected and, you know, who's going to be available in day two. There's going to be guys. There's going to be so many names that we're going to be talking about being available day two. You're going to be like all, anybody you could imagine, like that's like not locked in at this point. Like, you know, if you still if you're play, if you're somebody who likes Brian Brzee, he might not go. It's, mm-hmm. There's a possibility if you got I know a lot of people like uh, Tommy Wadebuare from Northwestern. Yep. A lot of people talking him up. There's no guarantee he's going in the first, right? He's still 6'1", 282. I know he tested, you know, otherworldly, but like he could still be like a, like a Christian Watson where he just, he jumps a lot. It's just not into the first. And like that could happen where he's still available. There's, there's so many. So like, yeah. I, I think especially, you know, it, it, it'd be nice to get that trade done with. So, you know, that what the Packers are working with, right. Right? right? If it's going to be 42 or 43, whichever the two, It'd be nice to get one of those still, obviously, to kind of be able to, like like Clayton t- kind of talked about, be able to maneuver around the board to the best of your ability. And like that, that'll be really exciting if that that uh, second second round pick comes in and uh, the check goes through on that and we, uh, <laughs> we get that and we know we have it. So that'll be good. But it's very exciting. One week away. I- I'm thrilled. Um, Clayton, any final thoughts on, on anything we covered tonight and whatnot? And just, um, you know, obviously can plug uh, – your stuff at the end here too as well oh yeah no it's just uh i i really appreciate the invite jake it's been a blast man um like i said anytime we get to hang out with you and and learn draft talk i love following our draft the school uh discord chat Uh, you guys throwing all kinds of nuggets in there and like you said man one week away it's exciting man this is i get just as excited about the nfl nfl draft than i do a sunday of football man i don't know what it is it's just it's it's turning the page to a new era. It's uh, hanging out with friends, eating good food. Um, I am that geek that when they used to have the draft on Saturday, you know, and it was mm-hmm. all day long, dude. I was there. I was. Yeah. I mean, I was <laughs> plugged into every single pick. Built a draft board since two thousand nine. This is right down my alley. So I can't thank you enough for uh, sending the invite out, man. Putting Absolutely. it together. I learned a ton tonight, and you got some awesome, awesome viewers because the questions tonight were amazing. Yeah, they came in in bunches. It was it was really good. I know Lee's got one more. <laughs> I love this one. This is a great one. We talked about Kraft Small Schooler. Is Cody Mock destined to be a Packer or a Packer? Cody Mock. That would be sick. I, I know there are some people who are like, that's this one. if they got two seconds, like that could be one of their guys just because it's, again, guy who played tackle, right? They, they love guys who have played tackle. No matter if you finish there in the NFL, we'd like to see that you've played there. He got snaps at both guard spots and center at the senior bowl. Ooh. Boy, if he can play all five. Man, come on. Because I'm I'm telling you, I'm I don't I don't want to end on a negative note, but I'm not sold on on Myers. I re, I'm really not. Like I mean I think that's fair through two years. Yeah. Like you I mean, look any way possible to upgrade. You know, I, I'm to the point where I'm almost like, you know what? If we do draft a tackle and and the offensive line's filled out, let Zach Tom compete for center. Like Please, we got to do something, you know, at least create some kind of competition because he, you know, and, and I think Myers is a great guy. I think he's got all the athletic ability in the world. He's got that huge yeah. frame, everything. Love seeing him get to the next level and see the DB's eyes get huge, right? But if there's no competition, you're not getting the best out of him. You're just yeah. not. I agree. I, I think there's I, – the, the, 
yeah, a, a non-zero chance a center is drafted. I know a lot of people are talking about like Juice Scruggs on day three from Penn State, like get another Big Ten guy in there. There's a lot of Big Ten centers in this draft, which is really nice. You know, John Michael Schmitz, Joe Tipman, uh, Luke Whipler. If they want to go the Ohio State route again, you know, uh, yeah. Oluwatimi from Michigan, like he was a, on the Remington. He was a Remington Award winner. Like he was on the Joe Moore Offensive Line of the Year award-winning Michigan State or Michigan team, not Michigan State. But uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if they think they won it back-to-back years so like yeah draft has centers if you want to get one ricky stromberg arkansas i really like him he had to handle a bunch of one techs and the sec <laughs> for several years like that where's onion you know what he came out the other side so i that's that's a good uh little test i think as well i yeah any any offensive line positions i don't think out of the question so yeah I, lee if, if if mock is the pick i understand it a hundred percent this is yeah. That's exactly something Green Bay would do in the second yeah. round, especially if they're like, ah, we just didn't like the tackles at the top, you know, and we, we think Skaronsky's a guard, he can't play tackle. Then it's like, all right, you know, get get mock in the second. I like that a lot, no doubt. There's going to be multiple times where we go, that's a goody pick because <laughs> we did not see it coming. Yes, right? there, it's gonna there is. There is. It's like, so. oh, yes. One of my favorites, some of the, one of these channels, like guys that uh, this golf channel I follow, uh, he said this like I think after he made some like picks against uh, picks and DraftKings, he's like everything becomes clear to me after the fact. Right, it's very <laughs> true with like Goody picks. It's like ah yes, I we should have seen that a hundred percent. That's that's a hundred percent. It's gonna how it's gonna work out, but I'm I'm excited for it. I think Ryan said live on the stream last year. Of course we took Quay Walker. <laughs> of course, yeah, a young moldable athletic piece of clay that hits the snot out of you. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, sure. That's and him. it's funny that his comp in the PFF draft guide was Devondre Campbell as well. Was it really? It was, oh it, was. So of course that, it was. It's funny that, that, <laughs> Oh, we like this Campbell. We like this Campbell guy, you know, signed to a big deal. Oh, there's another one in the draft. Sick. We'll get to him. hundred yeah. percent. Something. That I really hope he turns it around, man. Yeah. Uh, got a lot of time. He's, 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 I don't know if he's turned 22 yet or not, but you know, obviously still really young player. So there's, yeah, a lot of, a lot of growth to be had in his future for sure. If he if yeah. he can get there, that's it'll be impressive for the defense. And I think what to to kind of maybe put a put a wrap on this, like like we talked about at the top of the show, like we know almost nothing. We think Bryce Young's going one. He still might not. Like yeah. the Panthers may be like, you know what? We're swinging. We're shooting for the stars. We're shooting for another galaxy. We're taking Richardson. And it might and it might look a little bit cleaner than that, but maybe not. I mean, Stroud falling probably past two then gets everybody's appetites a little wetted, I think, for teams that move yeah. up, and, and it's still gonna get crazy. If it's young, then Will Anderson, which is what seems to be consensus right about now. Boy, we're in for we're in for it. We you guys thought that that last year picks 10 to 20 were nuts, which they were. If young is the pick at one and the Texans don't like a quarterback. We're in for it. We are truly in for something that we probably haven't seen before. So, yeah, you get me excited, man. Get me excited. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Six more sleeps, I believe, if that's right, <laughs> or seven more sleeps, one of the two. But yeah, can't uh, can't thank you guys enough for joining tonight. This was kind of impromptu a little bit during the week, so it wasn't really scheduled um, until last night when I realized it wasn't going to work for Wednesday. Appreciate Clayton being able to to make it for Thursday. Cause he initially was like, I got, I can do Wednesday. I appreciate him being flexible for that. Um, yeah. yeah, this was a blast. Hopefully we can get the whole squad back on maybe when the draft is done or so that or something like that to kind of recap the Packers draft, I think would be a lot of fun. If you guys, you know, if you guys want to see that, I recommend all the people watching go to YouTube and just drop a like button there. 
there you subscribe go. if you haven't done that. Um, but again, yeah, Clayton, thanks so much uh, for joining tonight. Obviously, thanks to Ryan. He's out there somewhere without the internet. Uh, it was great of him to drop in. Um, and, and he just didn't want, he didn't want the comments ablaze when he mentioned Keon white, he dipped. <laughs> that was smart. It was a savvy move by the head of the podcast network. He's like, I'm going to mention Keon white's name and I'm going to get out. Yeah. He, he knew what to do there. Set but the yeah, rug on fire and walked out the door. Yep. hundred percent. Uh, Clayton, you want to plug the pod one more time before we, uh, before we get out? Uh, yeah. You guys, uh, like I said, part of the, uh, Packer net podcast network, it's called Packers total access. Um, during the season, we do four shows a week. Typically we do Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. This time of the year, we usually do two most likely can find one on uh, on Sunday afternoon, ready for your, your work week there on Monday morning. And then we try to scatter another one in, whether it's a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're just, just kind of covering the Packers inside and out. If if you're not into analytics and uh, and dorky stuff, you probably won't like it. But I really like <laughs> to understand why decisions are made as opposed to here's a hot take. So, and the chalk talk is really good, folks. The in season stuff with all that is is really good. He, Clayton dives into the game too, how the scheme is working on both sides of the ball. So if you're not if you're not following the Packing Up Podcast Network, you should. Uh, for Clayton, for Ryan, JJ does a great job with his show yeah. as well, Cheese and Packers. And obviously, I'm on there as well. It, it's nice to be able to kind of cover the draft in the scope and kind of let the, the masters hone the craft with the Packers. It kind of gives me a, a cool outlet as well. So I appreciate them for that for sure. But, yeah, uh, you know, if you guys want to tune in, I don't know if you guys are going to be live. I don't know if Ryan said you're going to be live or not. If you got two yeah. streams open, if you want to open two streams next Thursday, then it sounds like Clayton says yes. Yeah, Packernet's going to be live. We'll be live right here as well. Get you maybe two two opinions on the Packers pick. You know, you can follow them until the Packers pick. You can see me maybe melt down if it's Keon White or Will Levis. <laughs> um, you may want to tune in to watch mine. I have a feeling. Uh, but yeah, there'll be a lot of streams open for you guys uh to check out here on YouTube. So be sure to utilize that uh to the most that you can. But yeah, again, thank you guys so much uh for sticking around for two plus hours. This is great. Uh yeah, we'll catch you guys. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll have this group back. Um in its entirety, I think, as well, to kind of recap. So stay tuned for that. But, yeah, there's going to be a lot on this channel coming out uh, before the draft gets underway. So stay tuned as well. Thank you guys so much. We'll get out of here. Good night, everybody.